There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience recorded on November 23rd, 2020. Tim McKernan in my basement, Gangster Pete at the world headquarters of 590 The Fan, KFNS. Gangster Pete, what's the good word? Uh, just chilling, man. Gangster Pete, this is, a, this is what I would describe as a very special edition of questions from the audience. Um, for a wide variety of reasons that I was just saying to you before we started up, we have, I mean, I just a shitload of questions. And they're all, they're all emails, and they're all recent, and they're all good, too, like real good. We even went through a, a special file-through. I got a porn, a very thorough porn email, <laughs> and since I really didn't have the answer... Uh, I immediately communicated with Lisa Ann and with Caden Cross nice. and said, hey, would you be interested in answering this? They both read it immediately and were like, oh, my God, we've got to respond to this. <laughs> and uh, Caden said she might not be able to get it done in time for us recording, so maybe she'll do it for next week's so. And Lisa Ann immediately wrote back and then followed up a couple times after that. She was, uh, she was into it. So we've got that for you. Um, we also have, I'm excited to announce a couple of things here, um, mysoundstory.com. We now have a website uh, is up and functioning. And not also for if you want to get this for the holidays, want to get a gift certificate for your family member to do a sound story, um, that's there. If you want to schedule an interview, we're doing them via Zoom uh, with the pandemic situation as it is. So they can be recorded. Uh, and on top of that, let's say you dislike me and you're hate listening to this podcast. I fucking hate Tim, <laughs> but I'm going to go out of my way to listen to his podcast. Let's say that's playing out right now. Uh, and I think it is probably about 15% of the people listening. Uh, you have the option of Doug Vaughn doing the interview. And now I'm pleased to announce you have the option of Dan McLaughlin, the Cardinal broadcast. Heavy hitters. Yeah, St. Gabriel's class of 1988. He is an option as well. You can go to mysoundstory.com. And this week for the holidays, uh, we are doing a 10% off. The promo code is TMA. And uh, you get 10% off. Booking Sound Story at mysoundstory.com. Me, Doug, or Dan McLaughlin will host the Sound Story. And now you, your family, uh, your loved one will be interviewed by uh, one of the three of us. Your pick. And uh, we're excited to continue to grow Sound Story. It is at mysoundstory.com. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's, it's been about a year, Pete. I think it was like right around this time last year that I was standing in this spot in my basement, not for pandemic reasons, but just recording the podcast. And I thought, you know what? I ought to do this. And maybe I'll do this with other people's family members. And here we are. And now we've got uh, me, Doug, and Dan McLaughlin. And we've got a website for people to book it. And uh, we can continue to grow this thing, mysoundstory.com. Uh, so anyway, that is, uh, that is now up. And for the holidays, we wanted to make sure it was available so people can either book them or get a gift certificate for them and then get them done, you know, in January. And, and listen, man, 
with things are the way they are with regard to COVID. I was just on the phone with one of our uh, salespeople at KFNS, and he was asking, when are you good to have a call with a client? I said, I'm, I'm for real, I'm not doing anything. I am, I'm done. I'm done for a while. I will be in this basement doing the radio show, doing the podcast, working out, watching TV, playing with my son, hanging out, watching TV with my wife. That's that's at least the next few weeks. So um, if somebody wants to do one of these things at 9 at night, I'm available. If you want to do one at, you know, right after the radio show, uh, I'm available. We'll record it, and, uh, and you can have that for your family. Uh, Doug's hour is obviously different with TV. Dan is good after he has a radio program to do, but after he's done, uh, he is good in the afternoon. So uh, check it out, mysoundstory.com. So we've got that. We've got great emails, but we've got this. And this is the lead, but I, I, but I wanted, to, I wanted to, to get the, the good stuff in and then now have the buzzkill, which is really not the way you usually manage, but in this particular case, I think it was the best way to handle it. Gangster Pete is leaving us. Gangster Beep. Pete is leaving us. And I'm thrilled for you, but sad for us on the radio show, sad for me and you on QFTA, which I say often love doing, and I really feel like it, it's not as good when you're not on it. Uh, I did one last week when I was on vacation, and uh, I, I just don't like not having you as a part of it. And uh, obviously, you uh, you led the charge with the merchandise for InsideSTLShop.com, and uh, and Gangster Pete, you are uh, you are leaving KFNS for uh, for uh, well, you, you 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 tell you tell people what you whatever you want to tell them. I don't know if you want to tell them what you're doing. I have no idea. I I mean, it's bittersweet. Uh, I'm excited. I got a great new opportunity, but I mean, I'm gonna miss coming in every morning and bullshitting with the guys and. Doing QFTA and pick six, I really enjoyed doing all that. But uh, I got a good opportunity. I'm going to be working for the city, doing business stuff, putting the NBA to work. So uh, it's just something that had to be done. And uh, I'm going to miss miss all of this, but uh, I think it's going to be good for me in my future. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, over the last, uh, well, I guess not even two weeks, uh, 10 days, really, um, Melissa Marr who uh, I have worked with um, going back to 2008, I think, uh, has left. And now you are leaving. Um, since, uh, you know, in the last, we were texting about it last night, uh, in the last five months. I mean, the Plowhawk, the Cat, you, Melissa, um, for the period of time that I th- thought we were going to uh close on uh, buying the radio station Um, there were a couple of people um, who we were working with Um, I guess I I guess I can say their names I don't know if it really matters to the most of the people listening people in radio they'd probably be interested but I also think people know anyway but either way they were coming into the office (laughs) uh, and working and you know then a week out from closing things happened Uh, but uh, yeah I mean to think how much has changed here for you know tma really our show our 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 little corner of the world um it's something else when you start going okay you know those two people uh melissa who i had worked with for 12 years um the cat who you know founded the show with me 16 years ago the plowhawk who worked with us for six years 
and uh, and now Gangster Pete, you have uh, chosen to to leave. Um, I'm very. I'm listen. When it gets down to it, we were texting, so you know I'm echoing things that I said privately to you, but you know it's not like they were for the purpose solely of privacy. Uh, so I will say what I was saying when we were texting about it. I'm thrilled for you. I mean, there's no other. I'm I'm just. There's no other way to say it. I'm thrilled for you. I'm very happy for you. Um, you deserve uh, a great opportunity, and so it's not, not a surprise that you're getting one. And so I'm thrilled for you. Um, and I guess I I really don't I I really don't think about the because it's going to have ramifications. I mean, sir, it's going to have ramifications to the on-air product to TMA. It's going to have certainly going to have ramifications to, the, to QFTA um, and inside STL shop which was your baby uh and to your credit man because you built that thing and i'm and i'm an asshole i mean there's absolutely <laughs> no and there's no question about it yet i'm just my emotion is i'm i, I haven't really even thought about okay well now we've got to you know well the station's got to go you know hire a, a another per- person uh i'm just happy for you I mean, it's, it's, it's like when Melissa told me that she was leaving, I was like, I'm just happy for her. So I'm very happy for you. you yeah, I, pre- I appreciate it, man. Uh, I re- also really appreciate the opportunity you give me here. And then I know you fought hard for me on several occasions. So I really appreciate it. And it, I mean, it's going to be sad leaving the show. But, you know, like I said, it has to be done. And I knew that you would be happy for me. You always told me if a good opportunity came along, I should jump at it. So I, w- I appreciate just everything really man yeah well I'm, i mean i'm the thing is and we were texting about this as well and i guess at some point i don't know i think i think one of the things uh, this is something that will stay on our text but you know as far as everything that's gone on um i guess what i would say is this and, and again you know i mean there were there were two there were two people coming into work yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not really. I'm laughing. I mean, it's kind of like you know, they had they had accepted jobs. We were doing this whole thing, you know. And then I, you know, for the legal that I'm paying, which I, you know, talk about, it, you know, it, it, you know, all of this stuff. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. This is what I do want to say. Uh, and and by the way, when I say legal, I'm I, to be clear because people are legal what legal being you know forming an llc an asset purchase or all these all those things that's what i'm talking about with regard to that uh but that's out of my own pocket because you know that's the way that it works um but with that all said with those two people um who uh who were going were, were working with us with you with the plowhawk with the cat and with melissa i say this and i don't I guess it, maybe it sounds idealistic, but I believe it, and I'd like to think that you know the track record is there that that it's not uh, just wishful thinking. I truly, truly believed that me and you, and well, the cat I already worked with for 16 years, but the cat and Doug and Iggy and the Plowhawk and Melissa. Melissa and I talked about this when when she was leaving. Uh, and then these two people who I make a, it's making it sound like the, you know the, I just don't know if they want their names I have no idea I don't, I'm sure they wouldn't care it's not like it's top secret stuff but the point is this I just thought we'd be working together for like the next 20 years yeah we, had a, that, we had a great team ready to go yeah I mean I really I really did and and I was you know obviously I was excited about it and, and uh, obviously investors were excited about it so uh, 
you know, it's just it's 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 obviously it's it's different. Um, and I guess when I if I were to focus on that part, which I really never think about except when another person leaves, uh, you know, I guess that would be you know I suppose that would be a negative emotion, um, in the sense that it would be sad or you know whatever other emotion one would, would associate with negativity. But when it comes to the people as individuals um, leaving and getting, um, you know, really good opportunities, uh, I'm my emotion is just pure happiness, it, really pure happiness. And I don't even know why I'm spending time saying it outside <laughs> of it. It's what I think because, you know, I, I just because I, I know you're going to be happy, and and that's I mean it's like I guess when you when, when you become a parent you want your all you really want however it works is your kid to be happy, uh, and and not that I mean I'm only a thanks few years Dad older than, <laughs> I'm only a few years older than you but when you know that people were part of your family, and you know you dealt with stuff you know as a team, you want the person to go on to like Plowhawk is doing really well at his new deal yeah here he's you know? killing it. And I'm and I'm that just makes me so happy, you know, uh, and uh, I know Melissa is going to do well. Um, and uh, she her her first day at her new place was just last week. And I know you're going to do well. I mean, do really well. And that makes it just makes me happy. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I for, for whatever reason, I, and I really don't know, because like when Melissa called me to tell me what was going on uh, and um I don't know. I don't even know. Again, I wish I could just talk freely. Someday I will talk freely. Uh, but and it's, pro- it's probably making it cryptic when it doesn't need to be cryptic. It probably doesn't need to be cryptic. But for the purposes of all the parties involved. And I just, she, she, just, you know, she said the person was hesitant as to whether or not I would be cool with it. I said, oh, my God. I said, of course. Like, wh- it, what, what kind of, and I'm not even her boss. I'm no one's boss. Uh, what kind of person would want to stand in somebody's way if they were their boss from that person having a an opportunity to go be happy, you know? Yeah, like, I've heard you say on multiple occasions that if somebody has a great opportunity, you want them to take it, you want them to be happy. Like, right. That's just the way you roll. But but I mean, isn't that the way that most human beings roll? I don't <laughs> yeah, like like well, I don't want to I don't want to call attention to like I'm like some I just to me it's like logical. Like, wouldn't you want People like listen. For example, Doug. Like now, it's just me, Doug, and Iggy left. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's like who's next? Iggy looked uh, like a ghost when I told him today. He's like, oh man. Oh, Iggy didn't. I figured Iggy knew. No, I, I wanted to tell. Knew. I wanted to tell him in person. Okay. So I told him this morning, and all right, he's really uh, yeah. worried about all the work he has to do. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, that, that'll bring us to another topic. Like I said, this is going to be a very special edition of questions from the audience. But yeah, it's me, Doug, and Iggy left. Uh, but I mean, there were six of us, and so it's a kind of one of these things. I do want to do a brief aside on this because occasionally it's come up to like, show's not as good, and I'm like, you know, with regard to TMA, I'm like, okay, like I, okay, I, I've, I've heard that, you know, for 16 years. That's the nature <laughs> of doing something. It, you, if anything, you want to hear that because it means people care. Right. I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it, it is something because if if nobody cares, they just stop listening. So. What I would want to present to people, and I know some people just don't want, just want to just complain, I suppose, to do so. But if you really do care, what I would present is this. First off, 
since the, the pandemic began, the Blues have played what they get eliminated in six games, I think. The Cardinals played, what, three games? And then the, the season that, you know, was kind of like there, but, you know, they'd be off for a few weeks because of the COVID. And, and you just haven't had your standard sports calendar. And while sports are in the background, it's a part of, you know, it's part of the show at the very least. Um, and then also half, or there's a, right now, a third of the show is not on the show. You know, I mean, that's, and, and it's not like these are just like role players. Everybody has a big spot on the show, and it doesn't matter. Whoever you would rank as the most important, and everybody's got a different view on it, and whoever would rank as the least important, I can tell you as the person who has hosted um, the show since 2004 that every person truly has an impact on the show, and if you take one piece out, it impacts the flow of the show. It just does. I don't know what else to say. Um, and so if you, if you don't have the plowhawk and the cat, it impacts the show. Well, now you don't have Pete. It impacts the show. That's why, you know, going back to when we had the situation with Bob Fesco, and this isn't specific to Bob Fesco, it was specific to management coming in in 2007 and changing the show. They gave us a producer we didn't know. It wasn't his fault, but we didn't know. We knew it worked for our show. And they gave us a host. Well, they fired the cat. Martin quit and gave me a host who I had never met, much less worked with. And so going forward, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I need to be able to have some say or the say in who my co-hosts and producers are because I kind of know how this thing works. And I can tell you how it works is the people have to get the joke and they have to be able to operate quickly to be able to keep up with the, the dumb shit that's going <laughs> on. And also, you have to have a certain personality trait in order to be able to not only give shit, but to be able to take it and not fucking freak out <laughs> if, you know, you, you catch hell because part of the show, it's a three-hour roast every day as far as the radio show goes. And so not everybody's built for it, you know? I mean, it's just not the way that it is. And some people might be uncomfortable with some of the humor or some of the things that are said. So it's, and, 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 and we kind of play fast. You know, I'm not saying we play smart, but we play fast. And you got to be able to play fast. And so not everybody, anybody can just kind of come into the system. So it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm, now that I'm talking about it, it makes me sadder than I was <laughs> when you first told me last night. But uh, I truly am, I truly am happy. And I guess the reason I'm talking about it is, is just, Listen, of course the show's going to be fucking different. And and I would just say, yeah, not as good. I, I guess if you want to take it, that it's, it's, it's going to be different because half or a third of the people on the show aren't on the show. And what the, f I, the fact that we've done the show, and I think it's been decent at the very least, is really a compliment to the people on the show considering there's nothing to fucking talk about. <laughs> you guys Unless you want to go up. into politics or the pandemic, which we've obviously done our best to avoid. You guys are all cracking me up today. I know that. Yeah, I loved the show today. I mean, that's the thing. I love I love doing it. I love doing it. I know at some point it will come to an end. I'm not saying that it's now or anything like that. Uh, but I'm just saying I'm no matter what, whenever I am done doing TMA, whenever that is, I will miss it. It's just it's just that simple. It's like like when I saw the schedule, uh, Pete, and I think I texted you yeah. on Saturday and it's like, Hey, are we off on Wednesday? And you're like, Let me check and you uh, contacted Jim Hewer, and he confirmed that we were off on Wednesday, Thanksgiving week. And I'm like, "Fuck, great!" <laughs> I, but I mean, it's kind of like, eh, "Fuck, I'd be happy to do it." I, I, it's not like I'm like, "Fuck, sweet, I don't have to do it." How often do you have that 
with your job, you know? And it's just, it's something that I'm very grateful for. But it's not about me. It's not about Doug. I think we probably get the most attention, or Iggy recently has certainly gotten a lot more attention than, say, in 2016. It's about the whole group. The whole group is the thing. That, and the whole group is not just the hosts. It's the producers as well. It's the board operators, you know. Yeah, and it's, make, it's, it's so it's much fun, man. On paper, it should have been like a no-brainer decision, but it's still a hard decision to make because I love coming in with you guys every day and just shooting the shit, having fun, laughing with your friends. Like you can't uh, beat that. I'm, I, I don't. Somehow, I'm going to request that you still do QFTA. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how it's possible. I mean, I'll, I'll Venmo you uh, just as my own little LLC <laughs> to pay you because I listen. I love doing QFTA. I really, truly do. It's, too. it's it's my uh, it's a chance to spread my wings. Um, although certainly now with only I guess at this point three of us left on TMA, I, I don't really need to spread my wings anymore. There's plenty of room, but uh, but you being on it has made it better, you know. And I love and the thing that I always I think Joe got it, producer Joe got it toward the end, but I think it was more just like bitterness toward the situation uh, with what was going on with the man and woman thing and just like his fucking thing. It's uh, it's so far gone. And back when he was leaving in 2013, you have always somehow had an I don't give a fuck attitude, not toward the, your job. Right. Not toward your job, um, but toward the criticism that that, you know, that all of us get on the show. It's just at varying degrees. Uh, and, and I I truly like the Plowhawks happiness and just kind of like yeah i'm gonna make what i'm gonna make and i'm gonna play video games and get high i was envious of that and i am envious of your ability to just be like okay fine they fucking hate me who cares what does it matter i don't know them i don't <laughs> care i just be like god good for you you know it's a healthy way to go about life just like the plowhawks i consider the source and then i don't worry about it anymore <laughs> guess that to me may, may put it in better perspective maybe that's a lesson i should take from it but either way uh, and I'm sure you know it's not like today is your last day or anything like that. You'll, you're, 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 I guess you haven't yet, but we're recording, and I know you are putting in your two weeks. Yeah, I got my uh, resignation letter right here, Tim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For I know you'll be doing that, but I knew we'd be recording this, and then also, so here, this is what I'm getting to. I mean, we need, we need, a, we need somebody. Uh, I mean, you know, and Pete, you and I were texting about that as well. Um, you know, it's, you know. It's funny, but it's just coincidental. Dan McLaughlin and I were texting about Sound Story, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I want to do it. I'll do it." And you know, um, I said, "Yeah." It's, I said, "Here's the way it works. We send the potential, uh, or not potential people, buy them. Uh, the person who's going to do the interview or the family member of questionnaire. It's you know really simple. It's God, I don't know, maybe ten questions." Uh, and then we base the interview off of that. And then we just have a conversation for an hour. And Dan was saying, man, I love doing stuff like that. I said, listen, I love doing it as well. And I said, and then Pete produces it. And then Pete sends people the link of the audio, and they have it, and that's it. Uh, and you'll be able to do it from your home, and, you know, we'll record it over Zoom. And he goes, sounds great. And then, like, an hour later, I was saying, hey, guess what? Dan McLaughlin's now a part of Sound Story. And you're like, yeah, about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to tell you on Monday, but since you're emailing me. So, um, so listen, uh, Doug, Dan McLaughlin, myself, we need somebody for Sound Story, and uh, those are fun and, to do too. That's another thing I'm going to miss. I really enjoyed doing those Sound Stories. What a th yeah, I did. I, 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 I that's I'm, I'm, I was cool that Dan already could kind of 
tell that it is. I truly loved it. They're just fulfilling. That's yeah. the way I describe it. They're fulfilling. And, to, and the, even more fulfilling is when the family member listens and is talking about how emotional it is to hear the story, hear their parents or grandparents talk like they've never talked before, uh, and just thrilled that now they know they have that audio. Uh, I listened to the one with my dad a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, God, I'm so glad that I have this, and I've got to now make sure I get one with my mom and my wife's parents and so on and so forth. Um, but we need somebody for that, and obviously we need somebody as a producer on TMA. And even though the show has been on, so I guess I'll just say email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. It's not my hire to make. Sound Story is. Uh, but TMA, ideally, they can, you know, both, you know, kind of like you, Pete, do, do both. Right. Um, but uh, if you're interested... And we're going to need somebody quickly. And ideally, they get in real quick, so Pete, uh, you'd be able to train them. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I bet Iggy feels like we need somebody more than anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested, but what I was about to say is, you know, the show has been on for 16 years, and I think, I think as far as, like, full-time producers, the head producer, which was your role, uh... I th- it's it's been producer Joe. Roderick was in there for a period of time, but we I, I don't think we thought it was going to be like necessarily the long because Joe wanted to be and still is on air as in Roderick. Uh, so he was kind of the hybrid, and Dan Marshall was trying to chase him out of the building. <laughs> um, so that was a period of time. Brian Ray kind of did it briefly, and now he's the the you know uh, host for the Dallas Stars, Fox Sports, uh, whatever that is, Fox Sports Southwest. Good gig. Uh, yeah, well, he's so he's such a good hockey guy, and we knew that um, when we heard his tape. Holy shit. Um, but that was brief, uh, but he stayed with the station. He just got a hosting job. Um, and uh, Willie Springer was with us for a couple of years. John Seymour, uh, the Sea Monster, and then you replaced the Sea Monster. So, you know, oftentimes in radio shows go through producers or hosts go through producers really really quickly we you know we've we haven't had that um so you know whoever is interested in this i'd like to say with regard to the atmosphere um you know with who you're going to be working with i think it's fair to say that it's just a it's a really good group of people um you know i mean uh you know yeah, I can oh, tell you, as someone that had a job, it's it's a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of laughs, <laughs> and if you get in on it quick, you can learn from me, which is yes. invaluable. Yes. So uh, if you're interested, you're, yeah, for real, it will be super helpful. Uh, so anyway, if you're interested, uh, Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com, and then I can forward uh, forward the uh, emails to uh, to station management. So. I know we'll do another QFTA, and for real, I would love to have you on QFTA even when you uh, when you go on to your your new gig. Well, if um, it's possible, I would be happy yeah. to work it out. Did you did you say yet what it is? I know we talked about it, but did you say it? All, I don't want to get into all the. Details. You don't want to get into it. It's, okay, it's business stuff. It's all right. God bless. Yeah, it's not like you're going to <laughs> 101 ESPN no, or something. No. Yeah, you're 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 leaving the broadcasting world. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's what's going on. So. You know, I went on about this longer than I planned to, but I really feel very. I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's just, it's been a significant year for this show, but it's been a been a significant year, of course, you know, for the show in part because of the fact that this is a year that we will all remember. Um, and it's not like on 
December 31st, it concludes. So who knows? But, um, you know, when it, wh whether it be, of course, the cat um, who, you know, I was sitting next to for 16 years, the plow hawk, you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody. And I think you now see that, Pete, you know, you were a listener going in. Right. If it doesn't matter if like Iggy's off next week and, um, you know, at this point, Iggy's basically become the third co-host, even right. though that's not necessarily his role. So I texted John Hadley, who uh, operates the radio station last week while I was on my vacation. I said, hey, listen, we're going to need somebody else because I know Doug and I are going to be in different locations with the pandemic situation. And it's it's difficult. Difficult isn't the right word. It's just it's not as easy. The show is in a different pace because of that. And we're going to need somebody else. Um but I mean, if it's it's if it's you, if it's the plowhawk. Even if it's somebody, the audience, like the cat, was catching a bunch of hell. You know, it, I noticed more so than ever before for whatever reason. Uh, the first half of 2020, and now I'm sure a lot of those people who were like you know, hating on the cat are like, man, I'd love to have the cat back. Hell yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, who you take one piece, and it alters the show, and so. You know, I think everybody kind of loves to have somebody they dislike. They love to have somebody who they align with. They love to have the different personalities that contribute to it. And it's, you know, it's it's a it's a shame. But I'm happy. I really, I mean, I think you know I'm saying it over and over again. But I, but it's, it's, my, it's, it's, my, it's my emotion is I'm just so fucking happy for I you. Appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate I, it, man. I really do. I'm just so fucking happy for you. And listen, I, I mean... For me and Doug, this is kind of what we do. At least, I mean, at this point, this is what Doug has done, and it's what he will always do. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> I, I really don't. Um, but and I'm talking about being in this industry. Um, and, and Iggy, at this point, I suppose it's the same thing. And as much as I love those guys, and, you know, obviously incredibly valuable to the show, if they were to come in, if Doug came in and said, listen, I got a job at this station, I would fucking hate it, but I would be happy for him because I know he wouldn't go unless – you know, it was something that would make his life better, make him happier. So, um, you know, that's that's how I view it. Have you ever been in a spot where you were leaving a place and the guy was an a or the, the lady was an asshole when you when you went in to say you were leaving? No, uh, I remember when I got my MBA and I was leaving my teaching job. I was really worried about that conversation, and they were super cool. So I just, I just, I, I know there's people out there like, yeah, that, I've though. heard, I've heard, I've heard about it and but I'm trying to think. they're not friends with me. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, I mean, I just can't imagine because here's the deal. You always have, I mean, at least I kind of view it this way. You have a chance to like try to keep the person. You know what I mean? Right. If you're in that spot, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just, there's just never been. And again, it's not because I'm happy if somebody moves on per se. It's just that if they're leaving, that means they're going to be making more money, and it's a good opportunity for them. And so, what motherfucker would like give you shit for? <laughs> I'm not talking about you specifically. No, I'm just talking about any human being in general for doing something that's going to make them happy. And then on top of going, okay, well, shit, he's going to go make, you know, twenty percent more at this job. Well, now I have a choice. If he really loves the job and doesn't want to leave, now I have a choice to match it. Um, and, 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 of course, choice might not be the right word. You know, finances might restrict that, so I don't want to say it's a choice. But I don't know. It just that strikes me as, strikes me as weird. Um, 
But I've always said, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong on this with regard to, like, if and when I leave this show, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to catch hell. I really do believe that. Do you believe that, Gangster Pete? Uh, yeah, there'll be people that are upset for sure. Yes, but there's difference. <laughs> there's a difference. There's people who are upset, and then they get upset at other people for people not being on the show. Right, I got you. I leave the show, they'll be mad at me. Yeah. And I think that's the – and I'll just say, I could be wrong on that, so we'll see what happens. But that's that's what I think. That's what I think. So anyway, there it is, Gangster Pete. I'm thrilled for you. Hopefully somehow we can work out where you uh, still are part of QFTA. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything. I'm – I'm sad it's ending, but I'm happy it happened. Yeah, God bless America. All right, we have. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled for you, and I'm sure we'll talk about it with next week's UFDA, and hopefully we continue to do them. I said we had a million, not a million, but we had some. We have some really uh, good emails uh, this week, um, and I uh, let's see what we got here. All right, I'm going to start here. Um, hey Tim and Smoke, I'm a big podcast guy. Uh, You might say that I podcast like the Dickens. I enjoy a nice long-form interview, but far too often for my taste, I hear interviewers take a line of questioning that I don't care for. I don't know if there is a name for this approach, but I'll give you an example. This is such a good question. Did you ever watch Joe Buck's uh, interview show, Pete? Oh, yeah, yeah. On HBO? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, not the HBO one, the Artie Lang one but the one on audience network where you would do one hour interviews with like legendary athletes no i have not seen that okay one. all right um I, I can't remember what it was called something with joe buck but it was really good he did it for a few seasons on the show undeniable oh i have seen a couple of episodes Unde- on the yeah. show undeniable with yeah. joe buck great great work on my part there uh joe would conduct an hour-long one-on-one interview with the great greatest icons in sports and then at the end of each interview, he would ask the guest five would-you-rather questions. For example, he asked Derek Jeter, would you rather shrink to the size of an ant or grow to the size of Godzilla? That was an actual question that Joe Buck asked Derek Jeter on television. He followed that up with, would you rather look like Jar Jar Binks or sound like him? Why? Why on earth would Joe Buck, the best in the business, and or the creators of that show, choose to ask would-you-rather questions? Why do other long-form interviewers choose to include, and I've noticed also often close with, some silly, just-for-fun line of questioning? Is this a known technique in the industry? Is there a term for it? Do they teach this at journalism <laughs> school? God, I'd love to be there the day that we went through that. My guess is that the goal is to reveal a side of athletes that we normally don't see, but I don't think you need these questions to achieve that. When I watched Joe interview Michael Phelps for 55 minutes, I was already seeing a side to Phelps that I hadn't seen before. For instance, he wasn't swimming in a pool. I really didn't need to hear whether Phelps would rather <laughs> eat cereal naked on the 50-yard line of the Super Bowl. <laughs> or accidentally tell his high school girlfriend that she's hot on Facebook in order to see a side of him that I hadn't <laughs> seen. It's not as though everything up until that point had been a retread for me. If you're a producer of Undeniable, how are you hoping Jeter answers? Would he rather look like Jar Jar Binks or sound like him? What's the best case scenario, the most interesting answer he could possibly give to that question? <laughs> I've seen other variations of this approach that I think I better understand. Frank Cusimano's rapid Q&A, no hedging allowed, hit and run segment, or Craig Kilborn ending his interviews with a five questions quiz. 
I get how those might potentially solicit some interesting answers. But in those segments, the questions were tailored to the specific interviewee. On Undeniable, it wasn't like in their <laughs> research the producers discovered. It's a long email. <laughs> oh, it's so good, though, that Jeter was a big Star Wars fan. And Buck would say on the show that he hadn't even seen the Would You Rather questions beforehand, that he was reading them for the first time. Why? Why? <laughs> What's the upside in doing that? Because the downside is that the question falls flat on its face. Jeter didn't know who Jar Jar Binks was. It was like a Calvin May drop. <laughs> Do interviewers feel that they, after they ask these straightforward questions, or perhaps they're hard hitters, that they need to then add levity by wrapping up with something lighthearted, has a producer ever asked you to uh, utilize this approach? Am I the only one <laughs> that thought, would you rather on Undeniable? It's unwatchable. Thanks. And I really wish this person said whether or not I can give their name because it's one of my favorite emails in the history of this presentation. So uh, Tom is the gentleman's first name, if you want to say, because it is so damn good. And he has, a. it looks like what I think is a pretty good job as well, based on, it's uh, from his uh, business account. I tip my cap. Holy shit, was that well written. I feel like that's probably really therapeutic for Tom. Oh my God. I mean, listen, I watched it. And part of me, here's the thing. Have you ever been uh, on the board when Joe was in for a podcast? Uh, yeah, yeah. You are a couple okay. times. And I think you – okay, a couple times. So then then we had to have revisited. When Joe comes in, you want to talk about therapeutic. I yeah. feel like our interviews are – they're not – they don't go in with the intention of it, but they become – like I think he talked about going to see his therapist and yeah. being on so, – okay. So, I mean, he's very transparent. Yeah. Um, and, and you might have been in for when he talked about Kelly Chase – yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> it is impossible not to like <laughs> giving him shit about calling Brooks Kepka's girlfriend by the wrong name <laughs> yeah. at the what 2017 I think U.S. Open, and this was like 2019 when it had to have been I think unless it was like one of the first things you did because you didn't start until August of 18. It was at the beginning, yeah. It was at the beginning. Okay, and how pissed off he was at Chase, and then <laughs> Chase heard it, and then he started texting me about it. And now I'm in the middle of these two. You know, he goes, hey, Gretz heard about it, too. So Gretz, I go, oh, God. I like, I, you know, I don't want to get in the middle of Wayne Gretzky, Joe Buck, and Kelly Chase and Brooks <laughs> Kepka. I mean, how am I involved in this shit? But the reason I bring it up is this, and it'll all come back to Tom's brilliant email, is Joe, I think, would acknowledge that he is surprisingly sensitive to criticism. Um and I don't know how else to say it, because like, like clearly, Pete, if you recall him telling the Brooks Kepka story, even in the moment when he did that, I didn't think anything of it. Well, here he is, what, 14 months removed, sitting in our studio, reliving it, talking about how much it bothered him yeah. and how he won't talk to Kelly Chase. <laughs> I was so surprised that it bothered Holy, him that much. I know, but I mean, when I, when I, the, the, we traveled with him a couple times. And there was one time, and I think I said, I don't think I'm saying this, but at this point it's like almost 10 years ago. It was eight years ago. Like he was call, I was with him, Anna Marie, we were with him in New York, uh, and he was calling a Falcons-Giants playoff game. This was yet another year where the Giants won the Super Bowl and nobody thought they were going to do shit. 
And they beat the shit out of the Falcons, and it was a blowout, and being the way things are with going to games in New York, if it's a blowout one way or the other, people just leave. And so the building is basically empty, even though there's still a bunch of time left. And so the people right below the booth had started a fuck you buck chant. <laughs> and, you know, and I didn't think anything. I was just kind of like, okay, this is what you deal with. And as we were walking out, he was talking about how he was thinking about saying something to him or leaning over. <laughs> and I was, and I, and I don't know, I mean, we were in a car. This sounds like a total name drop thing, which was n- not intended to, but whatever. It's the fucking story. So whatever, piss off. Uh, the way that it works is they get done calling the game and they get an escort to the airport. Oh, that's which is that's hot. Oh my, yeah. So it's me, <laughs> it's me, Anna Marie, Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman in in like a an SUV, <laughs> and, and 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 Joe is venting about this this thing going on. I think it was I think it was Troy or it might have been Joe's like right hand guy, Steve Horn who travels with him everywhere and is his stat wizard. Uh, one of the two in the car said, oh, you can't, you, you, Joe, you can't do that. Like, like counseling him to not do that. And I couldn't believe that he was even, like it was even on his mind to do that. Like I really, like it didn't even, but it does. And so he's kind of talked about it now, how he just doesn't even mess with it. Like he can't, he just doesn't handle it well. Right. Uh, now that was eight years ago. I think it's, it's better now. Uh, and by the way, from that very same car ride from MetLife Stadium to Teterboro, uh, I, I think Joe was getting in, and Anna Marie and I were already seated. And, they were, and, and Troy said, "Now you're going to just stay there." And then Joe, Joe's hopping over me and Anna Marie, and he goes, yeah, "Don't mind, don't mind me. You guys get comfortable. I just got done calling an <laughs> NFC playoff game." <laughs> textbook smart ass shit which i appreciate and i think some people are starting to catch on that it's not coming from an asshole place it's just it's his way of of uh giving people shit which i enjoy but either way i tell this story for this reason i loved undeniable with joe buck i would text him and tell him how great i thought the show was and how i thought he had a monster on his hand and it should be on a much bigger platform and he goes really you really think it's like i go yeah and i just don't think he really thought it was that great but you have to have a talent i don't know what the talent is i don't know what it is you i don't think it's teachable to get people to open up in an interview and i don't know you know i don't know what it is but like Howard Stern, for example, is from my standpoint one of the absolute greatest of all time. I'm sure there's others. I don't know if Rogan is considered that. Do you? I know you're a huge fan of his. I feel like he's just a great interviewer, but he's not necessarily getting people to open up. I think. I don't know. I feel like there's a difference between a Stern interview and a Rogan interview because his are more like topical more often than they're. Yeah, like, it's just kind of like a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a great interview is a conversation. But Joe had that with that show, and I think he felt like it was it was formulaic, uh, and that it's kind of like once you've done it, what else can you you know you're asking you're asking people to kind of do a this is your life. Uh, and I think, and I don't think he was unhappy with producers over that. It was just kind of what the show was, and he doesn't need to be doing any extra projects. So, you know, it was a passion project. He'd fly to Los Angeles. They'd do all of these, like, in a matter of a week. And I'm, I'm sure he made a nice amount of money that for a normal human being is a huge amount of money, but for him it's not necessary. And so he did it. He stopped doing it after a few seasons. But I wanted to say to him, what the fuck's going on at the end of the interviews? 
you know, and it's so funny that Tom brought up the the Jeter Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Because Jeter is, whereas some of these guys and ladies who he interviewed, you had seen them interviewed, and I wasn't as excited because you've kind of heard the story. It's like, like, like in a normal situation, for example, Matthew McConaughey's an interview that I'd be really interested in listening to, but but he was on a book tour, yeah. And when people are, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. so and then it's kind of like, like I don't, they got I'm, their talking points they want to hit. Yeah, and it's kind of like I don't want to listen as much. Um, so when somebody's on Stern who I'm like, oh, fuck, they're on. I can't wait to listen. Well, Jeter kind of fell into that category. Jeter's a huge get because Jeter doesn't do those. And it's, it's why I was so disappointed that, that um, the Brady interview with Stern kind of didn't go. Cause Tom Brady doesn't really do those. Right. And, and so he's got Jeter, but he did this with everybody. And it was the, you know, would you rather look like Jar Jar Binks or sound like? And Jeter had, Jeter was really personable and kind of giving him shit about the gift basket story about how, if, you know, he's like a woman spent the night over, he'd give him a gift basket. He's like, you really believe that? You know, it was a good interview. I believe. Oh, Jeet said that wasn't true. He said he did. Oh, so you haven't seen that one? Yeah. No. He, uh, he said the gift basket is uh, is false. Oh man, that's a real bummer for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. You get you get done with this, and it's like fifty five minutes of Derek Jeter opening up, and now he's being asked if we'd like to look you know look like Jar Jar Binks or sound <laughs> like him, and you go what the fuck? Here's what is, and so I wanted to say something to Joe, but knowing just kind of knowing like what I just said about the you know the Falcons Giants playoff game, the the, the Brooks Kapka girlfriend Kelly Chase thing, <laughs> you know I just I never want to be. I, I just I don't want to be that guy, you know, and I and, and I feel like like I'm friends with Joe, but I'm not close friends with Joe. So like when we'll text, we'll get going on a conversation and it's amusing and then it kind of wraps up and then we won't text for you know a while. It's not like I'm like, hey, what are you up to? You know, that that's not the relationship I have. And sometimes I feel like maybe there's people in our audience who have my number who will kind of like give feedback. And sometimes it's, you know. It's good. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's not. And uh, <laughs> but I but I know it, <laughs> I know I'm hesitant to say, but I know it comes from a good place. I know they're not doing like all of it's supportive. I know it's like, you know, um, so I don't want to. So I'm like, OK, now I know what that feels like. And I don't want to be that guy to Joe. So. The last thing I wanted, and on top of it, I whereas I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, so and so liked this or didn't like that, and, and it's fine. It's it's part of the deal. It, and I don't want to say it doesn't, you know, it's not like I go, okay, whatever. It doesn't it doesn't affect my day. I also don't necessarily have a friendship or traveled with these people, you know. With with Joe, I have a friendship and have traveled with him. Again, I don't want to overstate the friendship. So if I were to say, hey, what's the deal with the, the questions at the end of the interview, <laughs> I think he would probably be not like it. So I never asked him about it. But here's what I think. Here's what I think. And at some point, we'll definitely talk about it. At some point, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, I think it was the producers. And I actually will go so far as to say this. I think it might have been something that led to him leaving the show. I'm dead serious. Wow. I, 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 I'm t- it's 100% speculative. 
It's a hundred. But Tom, you never. I never thought I would open up an email this passionate about, <laughs> <laughs> and you probably never thought you would get a fifteen-minute answer to it. But uh, but I I think I just th- now the producers. Do you know who the producers of that show were? You'll you'll know them, Pete, when I tell you. No, no clue. Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley. Oh wow! And I know everybody knows who Vince Vaughn is. Peter Billingsley was the kid in A Christmas Story, right? That's the, the the Red Ryder BB gun that's on all the time on Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? The kid with the glasses, blonde hair. Yep, yep, that's him. Yeah, uh, that's the, those are the producers. And Vince and Peter are still producing that show, even though Dan Patrick's the one hosting it. And I just got the sense, and again, it's reading between the lines, because I just would never, you know, I just, it's, it's I don't know how to describe You just don't ask. It's like when I'm hanging out, with Edmonds, for example, and I know he knows shit, but I'm not going to put him in the spot where I'm going, the fuck's the deal with the offense? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just like understood. You just don't. T- I just don't talk about it, you know, because I, mean, I know he doesn't want to talk about it. And I don't want to put him in that spot because we're sitting there and we're probably fucking off, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to ruin the vibe by reminding him, you know, that, it, like, yeah, I host a talk show. So I just don't talk about it. So. I've never asked, but it's speculative. I think that the producers were were more active in the show than you would think they'd need to be. Because the reason why the show worked is Joe's a great interviewer. The p- people being interviewed are comfortable and respect Joe. They're not going to answer questions from me the way they answer questions from Joe Buck, for example. And, and therefore, that's all you really need. So to force this the Jar Jar Binks is a great example but every interview did this and I just don't I think Joe was uncomfortable with it which is why I think he said I haven't seen these to kind of let the guy know or let the lady know I got nothing to do with this but you know oh, that's a major a, tell don't okay so you agree with that yeah if he's saying yeah. oh I haven't seen these yet yeah I think he's kind of like distancing himself from this ah, question I, so I think and I think and I think so all I'm putting this all together it's like I'm putting somebody on a range of hands this is like when I was giving my breakdown of the presidential election live betting odds and how I arrived at my conclusion. So when I would text him and go, man, I just watched the I don't even know which one. Like Abby Wambach, for example. I'm like, oh, it's Abby Wambach this week. I don't really want to, you know, I, that, that's just not, I'm not interested. Because <laughs> usually it's like people you're like, holy shit. But, but the, 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 the compliment you give to an interviewer is, Man, I had zero interest in Abby Wambach, but because the interview was so great, right. that's, I feel like that we, I think we talked about that with Stern, that I watched it. But then even with Abby Wambach, it's like, you know, would you rather eat cereal or, you know, cream of wheat? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? And I just think that uh, when uh, so I'd say, man, that was a great interview. And you go, really? You really think so? And I think it's because I don't think he necessarily thought it was as good. And I think it might be because he was frustrated. And I have absolutely no. I'm just trying to. And maybe the inter, maybe those questions were his idea. And I'm so disappointed <laughs> that I'm trying to explain it away for him. But to answer the macro question <laughs> that that Tom passionately laid out, that really could have simply been in one sentence but he did such a beautiful job with it i think that was like his own personal qfta oh my god i mean i could do a whole fucking episode (laughs) on this i mean we've been going 50 minutes and i've answered one question i'm not even done with it to answer to answer the question no we are not taught that (laughs) uh we're actually at least my experience at missouri journalism school you know 20 years ago now but uh 
never really taught how to do an interview. I guess what you're taught is get the what is it, the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, and the how. I think that's it. Um, but to me, that's not – I mean, that, that's if you're a reporter. If you're doing that kind of interview, it's a conversation. And, and therefore, like Sound Story, it, you know, people – you know, to the people who come in for sound story. I know, understandably, they're not used to getting interviewed. They're nervous. So they're, they're like, my, you know, somebody will say, my dad's really nervous about doing the interview. I'm like, just trust me. I don't know what else to say. It's like, use the force. Just trust me. It'll be a conversation. And he's going to love it. And you're going to love it. And all I can say is just trust me on it. And I think we're batting 50 for 50 at this point. Yep. Uh, I, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things. It's a conversation. And a conversation is something anybody can do. You don't have to be a journalist to do it. As far as why these shows do this, I guess it's a way to wrap it up. I mean, if there's one thing I would say about whether it be Sound Story or whether it be the interviews that I've done on this podcast or even, you know, when I was doing television, it is weird, I guess. I guess when you're used to it, it the weirdness is lost over time to... When you when you when you're doing an interview with somebody and you know they're talking about something that they've never talked about before, like for example, Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson with Eddie Vedder, which was just an an absolute. I mean, that is a deep interview. You are you are participating in in what winds up becoming a surprising emotional bond, um, and so to it's almost like you're you're in a trance, and, and by that I mean. You just—it's like okay, we're done, and you snap your fingers, and it's over, and it's like you just connected, and now it's just like okay, it's over, and so I think I'm again theorizing here. I think the reason that it's done, that these style of—and not everybody does it by any means—is uh, is to kind of not just snap your fingers and come out of the the hypnosis, but to ease your way out of the hypnosis. That's my theory, because otherwise. As somebody who's done hundreds of interviews, whether it be with, you know, Sound Story or, you know, media, celebrities, sports, politicians, whatever, uh, athletes, politicians. Yeah, you're like, I mean, this person just, you know, there's a chance this person just poured their heart out and it's kind of like, okay, you know, yeah. like there's there's not a there's not a there's not a great exit. There isn't. But to, to you know, but I think it would be worse to go with those kinds of questions and I remember watching that show and just be. And I wonder if Dan Pat. You know what another tell would be, Pete? I just haven't watched it since Joe is not hosting. I was going to ask you if Dan Patrick if Dan, still does if it. Dan Patrick's still doing it. But I don't have DirecTV anymore, and I think it's only on DirecTV. At least it was only on DirecTV. It's on the Audience Network. Um, if, if 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 they're still doing those, and I would bet you heavily that they're still doing them. Heavily that they're still doing them. I, I just don't think it's just, it's just not Joe's personality. That's that's the reason I say it. It's just not his. You know, Stern's tactic is you've said it all, and even in reading his book, and I always and I always felt like that that was a way to let the interviewer or the person being interviewed exhale right. and go, okay, we're done. And then they get a little more like, okay, it's over. And then they just start shooting the shit. And then what winds up happening is the person will then say even more than he or she planned on saying in the, you know, next five or ten minutes. And Stern actually acknowledges that in his book. I knew it was a strategy. It just it was too, it was, you know, somebody doing this stuff. I just knew it had to be but because then he'd wind up getting really good shit. It'd be one thing if you said, you've said it all. Thanks for coming in. 
but it would be you've said it all, and then they wind up getting into something else, and he'd have another 10 minutes with them, and sometimes that would be the best shit of the whole interview. So it's a strategy. So I understand it. It's not taught, um, but there really is something something there uh, with, you know, um, you weren't producing, Pete, when we had Rich Eisen on. And no. this was when the Rams were still in St. Louis. I don't know. Did you happen to listen? I mean, this is kind of an obscure interview. On no, I, I, don't, I don't remember that one. Okay, so Stuart Scott had just passed away. Well, not just, because Stuart Scott, I think, passed away earlier in the year, and this was like December. Um, and um, I remember, you know, it was going to be just like he's on to promote the Rams' Thursday night game. And so it's supposed to be just like a little quick hit. I mean, you know what those are like. I hate doing them. <laughs> the, the, the guest hates doing them. It's a quick hit. Rich Eisen couldn't care any less about the Rams against the Buccaneers or whatever the shit is. But he's got to promote it as part of his contract. So he does a hit in each local market and then goes back to bed, whatever. Uh, and, and, I, there was, it, and I figured it was going to be one of those kind of hand job interviews. But something he said made it sound like to me he was in a little bit more and by in I mean committed to the interview a little bit more than you expect on those kind of radio tour interviews and when he did that then I got engaged and then I started asking some questions because I saw an opening and we actually wound up getting into Stuart Scott you know who you know they were a famous sports center team and one of his closest friends and as we were wrapping up the interview he goes wow I didn't really expect to get into this but you know, it was a really great conversation. Thank you, guys. And it's it's one of those things that the guest understands that they went to wherever place that is that a human being goes to drop his or her guard and the interviewer, you know, and you know that that's a shared experience. And then sometimes I guess the audience feels that way, that it's a shared experience. I think it's why people get invested in shows. I mean, that's, I think, why, you know, some people go, man, you guys have some passionate, you know, I like like your show, but... You know, I just found out my cousins like on this, you guys have a Facebook page and like people <laughs> and it's like they find like they knew I did a show, but they didn't know that, you know, it's because you have shared experiences and it becomes like a, a family. And so to exit from that shared experience, I think, as opposed it's like coming up from underwater. You know, you want to like brace yourself as opposed to, just, OK, now I'm up. You know, it's, it's awkward. So I think that's the reason for it. Great fucking email. I loved it. I wish I could give a prize for the email. And, Tom, if you want to follow up on it and then let me know if we can use your full name, I will because, God, that was really good. And, Pete, I've only answered one, and I have so many fucking emails. Uh, All right. Good morning, Tim. Big fan of the podcast. You know what? I got to tell people about our sponsors because without the sponsors, we don't even have it, which I think is what this one is going to. I'm going to lay out something that I think I've talked about uh, on the Facebook page, but I'll be able to lay out here and people can give their opinions on it. But it all ties back into this. Sponsors and our sponsors uh, of this podcast are uh, our studio sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. And I refinanced with him back in April and I got pre-approved with him here just a couple of weeks ago. And in both cases, it could not have been any easier. It was so simple. And I've refinanced before. Now, it was years ago with a different company. And it was like, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, man, I got to refinance, but it's such a pain in the ass. And then you do it with Ryan Kelly's staff, and especially during the pandemic, and you're not, it's like you're going into a meeting. Or, it was just so effortless, and it saved me so much money. It's like 20%. And then getting pre-approved. In a, in a home market like this, where the sellers are holding all the cards, you got to be pre-approved, man, because you might not be able to get the house because people are bidding wars. 
you can get it done, and you can get it done quickly and get incredibly low rates at thehomeloanexpert.com. That's Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, the studio sponsors here on the uh, on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, he sponsors the phone lines when producer Joe is on the phone lines. And, uh, and I am thrilled that so many people from our audience have given him a call and now know what I have been talking about, which is, this guy's just really a good guy who is going to help you, and you need a financial advisor, especially when the year is wrapping up, especially in a year like 2020. Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, 314-889-0503, or go online to evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, a major recommendation and jim rogers of restoration one of central st louis.com i said at the outset of our podcast here gangster pete i am in my basement without jim rogers this basement would not look the way it currently does uh he saved it there's no other way to say it not only did he save it once he saved it twice and uh when he came in it wasn't just like drying up the water uh he was he was there were these uh i guess the heaters, dryers that soaked up all of the water. I mean, every drop because that water gets in your baseboards and it creates mold. And now you've got you've got a project that, you know, can just absolutely destroy you uh, as, as far as your home, your valuables, cost. So Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com is the place. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com is the place. Jim Rogers is the person. So just save the name and number if you're not having water damage or mold remediation needs right now and know that you've got somebody to go to if and when you run into this problem. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com, 314-888-5266, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. All right. Morning, Tim. Big fan of the podcast. Lemonading aside, I'll get right to it. Been a fan since the morning grind. And it seems to me with Inside STL, you were ahead of the barstool curve a decade before barstool. Both you and Dave Portnoy seem to target the same demographic and both seem like very astute businessmen. My point in bringing up barstool is that while entertaining, their business model, much like people complained about ESPN, still seems very coastal centric. Lots of talk about the Patriots, Red Sox, Yankees, Lakers, etc. It seems like there is a tremendous opportunity for someone to take this business model, localize it, and have similar success. What I mean by their business model is one focused on podcasts and Instagram without the normal media constraints that exist on terrestrial radio or TV. And by localize it, I mean a similar delivery, but one focused on our region. It seems to me that your shows have always had a loyal following because that had a similar feel to what Barstool later had success with. Lots of talk of local teams, events, and personalities, but in a more relatable way than what people think of with sports talk radio. So now to my question, have you thought of totally abandoning terrestrial radio and moving entirely to a more modern media a la Barstool or Rogan? I won't presume to know the intricacies of your business, contract obligations, etc., but from an outsider's perspective, it seems as though your business and infrastructure would seem best positioned to fill a gap in local coverage left by Barstool or all the other national podcasts despite all their successes. If anyone is positioned to totally take a hold of a gap in St. Louis-focused podcast for males between 18 and 50 beyond the niche of ones that currently exist, it would seem to be you. Big fan of everything you've done over the years and always look forward to your podcast. Best regards. 
That's from Tom Weiss, also known as Wheezy. I appreciate it because it's it's so anti, it's so not in style to pay me a compliment right now and so in vogue to passive-aggressively hate on me. It's so refreshing to read something like that. Just uh, my, my ego needed it, uh, and I appreciate it. And so this is something that I know I presented on uh, the fan page. Had a great discussion about this because I get asked about it a lot. And, Pete, you and I have had this conversation privately. Um, shit, I don't know, double-digit times. Yeah. And here it is. It's a formula. And, and you can apply – and so everybody can insert the numbers – to to arrive at their own conclusion because neither Pete nor I have have the answer but here is the formula if TMA on the radio generates x how much would TMA exclusively distributed digitally generate what percentage of x would TMA distributed strictly digitally no radio would we generate and that is that is that that it's as simple as that it's as simple as that now the formula is as simple as that the answer you know i've got people inside my own you know group uh who dispute not angrily but just have an absolutely different view of the philosophy I think one thing that's universally believed is that with each passing day, that percentage of X, we'll call it Y, uh, increases. So Y is greater on November 23rd, 2020 than Y was on November 23rd, 2019. And it's certainly greater than it was uh, substantially greater on November 23rd, 2015. Um, But you have to understand, and I also know that people get bored by this stuff or they don't like to think about this stuff but there are expenses associated with it with regard to salaries and so why has to cover those salaries Um, now the expense side is reduced substantially so why does not have to be as big as x and I know I'm talking in abstracts here like a bad algebra <laughs> professor. But if X equals the dollars generated on radio and Y equals the dollars generated strictly on a digital platform, what I'm trying to say is Y does not have to be as big as X because X carries with it higher overhead. I think I'm explaining this clearly, but at the same time, it's something I've talked about with people so many fucking times. It's like, speaking latin fluently and you don't even realize that most people have never even you know but but that's but that's the end i mean that that's that's the thought process that's 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 the thought process so barstool is able to do it because barstool is a at this point i think it's fair to say a global brand certainly it's a it's a north american brand but i think it's a global brand um and so their 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 numbers from a volume standpoint are absolutely monstrous the question becomes, have you seen people do it locally? The answer, there is one that I know of. That's not to say it's the only one. Do it Locally and successfully, by the way. And I realize, I guess, when you say successfully, that becomes subjective. My definition of success and, uh, you know, somebody else's definition of success might be different. But I don't know if we've talked about this before, Pete. Uh, Grind City Media? Pittsburgh? No, uh, Memphis. Memphis, okay, no. 
guy named Chris Vernon, who uh, who I've known um, for a number of years. He's the guy that does the funny videos. Yes, and yeah, that's yeah. it. I was about to say, what was it? The, oh, he did the Masters update. Yeah, thing. the Tony Finau one was funny. Oh my God! Well, he he, I make picks, you make money. Is me ripping off Vernon? <laughs> but I know Vernon, and so it's not like it's a like I'm just hijacking. I'm going Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia. It's not that's not what I'm doing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I tried to hire Chris Vernon. Uh, in 2016, when we went from 920 to 590, Chris Vernon went to, I think, Parkway Central, if I'm not mistaken. He went to a Parkway. And he has been in Memphis for shit. I don't know, man. Um, I, I don't know. I, at, le- at least 10 years. and I'm, I'm thinking longer than that, uh, substantially longer than that, but I might be off on it. He's part of the Ringer Network. Crazy talented. I think we're about the same age, I think. But Chris has uh, his family moved down there, and his, his parents uh, from St. Louis moved down, like, right next door to him. He had a young family, and he had a good thing going in Memphis. I mean, St. Louis might be a bigger market by definition, but, you know, it's like sometimes people, when they want to take a shot at somebody in St. Louis, like, oh, how come they never went on to New York or L.A.? It's like, well, sometimes you're just happy, you know. He's you been in like, Memphis since 2000. Thank you very much. That's what I was thinking for some reason. So he was doing radio. And it was, I don't know, the story's great. I really ought to have him on just because he's fucking entertaining. Um, He'd be a great guest. Yeah, he he would be a great guest. Uh, He really would be. He's so, I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, the vision was us in the morning and him in afternoons. Uh, and it and, and I'm telling you, it was it, it was aggressive. It was an, it was an it was an aggressive, real pursuit. But not that he need this. This is just it. Just happens to be the truth. I never really felt like we even got into you know his territory. And by that, even across the 50 yard line, he was always pretty much he's staying in Memphis. So it's not like, you know, sometimes you might get close with somebody and it doesn't happen. But this one, you know, it wasn't happening. But my appreciation for his talent. He's a needle mover. That's what I've been saying here, you know, recently. If we're going to do something, we're not just going to put people on just to put people on. You know, it's going to be needle movers or we're just not going to put people on. It's, we're going to keep our expenses down and we're going to focus on the revenue generation and, and not get upside down. He's a needle mover. I would allocate dollars to get a needle mover. He is a needle mover. Uh, he's young. He's talented. He's got a passionate following. And what he did was, along with, I think, Rob Fisher, who you may know. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, not, he's part of the team. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's got a good-sized team. Now, they're tied to the Memphis Grizzlies. Fish, who worked at KFNS, is the Grizzlies' sideline reporter, I believe, on their Fox broadcasts. And they're all part of this Grind City media. And Raby, who, of course, is a fraud, yeah. and the media in this town is soft and an embarrassment. And by the way, if, if you don't know the inside joke on the Raby thing and you hear me do this all the time, you have to be like, boy, Tim really doesn't like Chris Raby for some <laughs> reason. He never really talks about other media people, but when it comes to Chris Raby, he really fucking lays it. Uh, for the record, I like Raby. I play golf with Raby. I'm just giving him shit. But Raby, I think it was maybe recently or within the last, I don't know, month or two, he goes, you got to check out Grind City Media. And I don't know I don't know if he knows Vernon. I don't know how, what the tie-in is there. Him and I were talking about that when he was in last week. Oh, is that show. right? Really? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So I, I probably need to talk to, to Vernon about it. Um, but they have a tie-in with the Grizzlies, and that's important. You know, so it's not apples to apples. Just like the Barstool thing is an apples to apples. And I appreciate the way that this gentleman, Wheezy, framed the question. When people ask questions about our business – 
they don't they're not obligated to phrase it in a polite way but you get a lot more equity and credibility when you go you know i know i don't know but i'm just curious how and it's like yeah you don't know just like it's like when i you know i now i look back on some of these questions i asked the cardinals when i was especially when i was starting out and they had to be like fuck you you know (laughs) what the fuck makes you think you know what you're talking about so i appreciate the way the question was phrased the, the bottom line is always the bottom line. And the bottom line is dollars generated. So, Pete, now that we know you are leaving. That's right. You have always been a major advocate of going 100% digital. Yeah. So we can, we can now have this conversation on the air since you are on <laughs> your way out the door. Uh, and, and as you know, because you know some of the people involved with our group, uh, you know I actually have somebody – who um, wants to be part of the investment group, but more so if it's for uh, a straight digital thing as opposed to a radio thing. How about that? Um, and I certainly have people inside of the group um, who are saying, got to do radio, uh, just kind of a necessary thing at the time, at this time. Uh, and then also people inside of the group, and I'm talking about people experienced, who say, yeah, you don't, the radio is just, it's just not necessary. So, you know. But, you know, if you if you want to do it, it's not like I think it's a slam dunk and I understand your reasoning. So, Gangster Pete, I have laid it out. And now, knowing that you are leaving, you can fire away whatever <laughs> you want to say. Well, no, I understand your reasoning. You have very good reasoning. Uh, I just feel like with the people we had lined up that we could have done it uh, just because uh, – I think it would have been probably a struggle at the beginning, but I, I really think that's the way to go. It's obviously the future. Uh, and I was, I just think with the product and the people, we would have gotten through the kind of initial rough stages and could grow something really cool. Yeah. So it, that's, that's just what my thinking was. It's and, really, it's, and the getting rid of a lot of the unnecessary overhead. I yeah, just love I mean, that idea. And, and, and here's the other thing with regard to this. And this is something, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm careful with, what I say, but it's not just overhead; it's headaches. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 you don't you don't quantify that in a pro forma. Um, but if you know, you know, and uh, and it's kind of why take on something that has downside if it doesn't have <laughs> upside? And, and and it's a very basic, straightforward statement. Uh, and, I, and I've credited it to, to Bert Kaufman, the gentleman uh, who owned 920 when we were at CBS Sports 920. And, it, and, and, and I remember sitting in his office when he said it, and I've said it since because people now sometimes will email it to me or cite it in a text into the radio show. You know, Tim, as you always say, well, I didn't say it. It was just it was something that was said to me. And once he said it, I'm like, I've kind of lived by it now, and it's been like seven years. Don't waste your time on anything that doesn't have any upside. And you go, yeah, why the fuck would I? And it kind of then then it kind of but then it then it kind of goes counterintuitive to how some things have been handled, you know, whether it be for people in their own lives or for for this business. Yeah, if, if somebody doesn't bring in money, why the fuck do we want them? I mean, this this isn't a charity. It's just not. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's not. It kind so of. Along, they, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go. No, please go ahead. Go ahead. I kind of. I also like kind of along those lines, I really like the flexibility of the all digital route. So like if you have something hot that hits, you can invest time and money into that. And if something that doesn't, you can fade it out because it's not, exactly. it's not adding I, I to mean, it. I mean, eventually I really, you've 
you've got a conglomerate of successful products. Yes, I agree. And, and, and if anything, I'm coming around to it. And here's the thing. Um, ah, God, it gets into this. I wish I could say it. Because one of the people who is going to be a part of it uh, is not really that much younger than me and you. So it's, it's funny that it's like there's this, this gap. Uh, but it's important to see it. I think one of the things, you know, TMA, even though I'm 44, the cat's in his 50s, Doug's in his 60s, Iggy's in his 60s, our audience is younger. Stern is in his 60s. I'm not comparing the two, but he's, all, he's evolved. And it's important to, even if it's not your thing, and by that I mean it's not like, like I'm not on TikTok, for example, <laughs> but you know it's a thing. You know, like Instagram initially was kind of like, oh, that's where the kids went because that's where the kids went to get away from when their parents got on Snapchat or Facebook. I mean, that's the thing. And so then TikTok, you know, parents will be on that and there'll be a new thing here within the next six months or a year or whenever it gets shut down. Whatever the fuck happens with it. The point is, is you got to be cognizant of what young people are doing and how they're accessing your content. And so our show, even though the hosts, I guess, by definition, are older the show's audience is younger. Now, it's not to say that everybody's in their 20s and 30s at all. That's, not, that's certainly not the case. I mean, it's almost mathematically impossible if you've been listening from the beginning. It'd be fucking weird if you were listening when you were 10. Although I have had people say, I listened to you guys when I was going to school, you know, and my dad in the, in the car. But that you, that you see where things are going. And so, you know, again, ha- choosing my words car- carefully, for some people who were uh, or still would be involved, uh, they're just like, well, what are we doing with a radio station? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because they're like, why? why? You know, why? I mean, who's... And so, and, and, it's, and it's a fair question. The question is absolutely fair. And the question, by the way, may be, quote-unquote, correct if you're coming from the perspective that it's not necessary. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows because nobody's done it yet. The issue just goes back to this. So, for example, let's say, oh God, I, it gets so dangerous when you start saying numbers. Because <laughs> you always know the number I operate off right. of. And then if I do that, then it gets in, oh, fuck you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, let's say X, X equals whatever. X, <laughs> <laughs> but let's say Y is, you know, 40% of X. Well, then why doesn't work? And in our analysis is we don't know if why will be greater than 40 percent. So that's kind of that's kind of it. But with every passing day, why's value grows. Um, so it's so I mean, it, I, I, I really do. I I I'd love to discuss it more thoroughly. And who knows? I mean, the time may come real soon where I where I can um, because I just don't want to be taken as like it's, it's, it's anything other than what it is, which is a pure analytical business decision. That's it. That's it. But here is, I guess here's something that I can say that isn't like an algebra formula or something like that or equation. In St. Louis, in particular, in comparison to, and it's not even coastal cities, Chicago or Dallas, um, you know, maybe even a Nashville, it's just a little bit, slower to catch on to things that are more mainstream in some of those cities or some coastal cities. It's just the way that it is. And, and I know some people probably are taking offense to hearing that. 
even though maybe deep down they know it's true. It's just the way that it is. And so when I started this podcast more than three years ago now and went out to sell it, a good portion of the time, now that was three years ago, but a good portion of the time, I'd talk with people and they'd ask me how podcasts worked. And I'm not saying <laughs> that to make fun of them, it was, it, but it was a real thing. And as somebody who in that spot I was selling advertising, if you're in that spot, you know you're not getting bought. You, you, you're essentially now going to conduct a lesson as to you know, how to access podcasts on, on your phone and, 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 and buy the person lunch, and that's going to be it. And that's fine. That's, that's part of this job. You, know, not a, you don't get a base hit every time. But that's where it was. Now, I certainly, it's obviously, even in just three years, it has transformed, and it is a different world. And I think the headlines Rogan gotten and what's going on with Barstool certainly helped drive that home. Uh, but it's, it's all dictated. For those of you listening, you're listening to a podcast right now. So, therefore, you're already on team podcast, so to speak. But I'm telling you, and listen, my life would be, you know, easier if all I had to do was just do a podcast, so to speak. Again, easier relative term. But, but in the sense that if, if that could be the way things work, well, that'd be great. Well, obviously, I don't necessarily see it that way. And obviously, other people who are a part of our group don't necessarily see it that way. Uh, and the reason is that if radio advertisers are not comfortable making the, the buy for something that is 100% digital, then you've got a problem. You've got a failing business. And that is the issue. And so, you know, for example, when, when we started Inside STL in 2005, what sounds like a joke now was our reality then. And that was, well, we're already in the Riverfront Times and St. Louis Magazine and the Live Magazine and the Post-Dispatch, so, you know, we really aren't advertising online. That sounds like a joke now, but that's what it was in 2005. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I've, I've lived through it in a sense. Now, I didn't have the overhead. You know, Inside STL was 100% startup. I wasn't even paying myself. Seabeck, we weren't paying ourselves. We just were doing it. Um, but if we did have overhead, we would have had a problem. So that's, I hope I'm driving this home because it's a great question. And it's a question that really has kind of occupied my life for a while uh, and occupied a lot of business discussions. But I've just never had the conversation, you know, in a public forum, forum like this where I can lay it out. I think I discussed it, um, but not in a public forum like this. So I appreciate the question. It's a great question. Um, and, and, and what makes it a great question, as I say often when we're discussing politics or religion, is that it's philosophical. In other words, there isn't an answer. Uh, do I think we would be successful with it? Yes, I do. I'll answer it that way. Do I think we'd be successful? Yes, I do. But I think we'd be successful because what we have with TMA is, is what makes it successful. You know, TMA has been on, uh, let's see, 590 to 1380, back to 590, to 920, back to 590. And at first it's kind of like, oh, you guys are bouncing around. And now people are just like, okay, whatever, just tell me where you're going to be. I'll get it. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's just that that's. That's the reality, which is a great thing. That's why I think it's exciting, too, is because you couldn't do it without having TMA. So like you're in a unique position where you could make it happen. And we own the content. I mean, Inside STO owns the content. Like I wouldn't tell someone to go that route unless they had TMA. And and I couldn't. So like like Rizzuto, and I'm not saying he does. I I haven't talked to uh, Rizzuto and shit. shit, I don't even know. We, we, We texted here and there, but it's been a while. 
he could do it. Yeah. And, now, and I know he's under contract at Hubbard. I'm not saying this is something he's thinking about. I think a Dave Glover could do it. Uh, I think a Frank Opinion could do it. Um, shows that have these passionate followings can do it. You, you look at the people who've done it, like Vernon. Vernon could do it because he had the passionate following. You have to have that, and then what happens is then you can have the spinoffs where people, if it's the only place they can access the content, then they're going to make sure that they get the content. But the show has to be the same. So what some people initially said, well, if it's going to be in a podcast – then it won't be live, and then you won't have the text. You know, most people don't really care about the phone calls, but <laughs> you won't have the text. And then, Pete, shit, you did the research, as did some other people. But then we found out, well, we can live stream it, and then the people can still podcast it. It won't change their experience at all, except for the people who listen on the radio and only on the radio. And I think if you're older, you think it's a higher percentage than it really is. Uh, and I think if you're younger, you may underestimate the value of the radio. But that doesn't matter. As weird as it sounds, that doesn't matter. Again, it's counterintuitive. It's me rostering Andy Dalton yesterday in, in my <laughs> DraftKings. You have to go – it doesn't matter. What the audience does doesn't matter, as weird as it sounds, as much as what the advertisers will do. If the advertisers are not going to buy it, then we will not have a show. It's that simple. It's, it, so that's it. So it's, it's so it's a, it's a bet, and really until whether it be TMA or Rizzuto um, or Glover or Frank Opinion or take your pick of whoever else, and I, I just use those as examples, and I'm not doing that to shit on somebody else. I'm just saying you know shows that have these followings uh, that are passionate that follow people to different outlets. Um, th- th- we won't know because you can go, well, so-and-so did it and it didn't work out. And I go, well, did so-and-so have the following of the Rizzuto show? You know, it's, well, then it's, it's not necessarily a f- – it's, 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 it's a bad experiment because the placebo isn't equal to the, to the controlled – you know, you're not, you're not really testing it properly. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's a, gr- it's a great question, and I get asked it a decent amount, but more on social media or more via email, not for questions from the audience, and I want to elaborate on it and explain the thought process. So I guess, in other words, if I, if I had, you know, XYZ advertisers say, um, we're going to spend uh, this if you do it, and I want the original six, not the original six, but the six of you boys back together, uh, Pete, you're not leaving. <laughs> uh, the cat's back, the plowboy's back, Doug, Iggy, Tim. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make it possible. And, and therefore, we knew we covered our expenses. Well, then, shit. You know, that's a, then that's a different deal. Now that you get still in, gets me excited, that possibility. Uh, oh, really? So maybe you weren't leaving? <laughs> We're going to take this all digital? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that things might. But uh, that is not where it is. And, um, you know, so... Anyway, I've, I mean, I've answered two fucking questions, and we've gone ni- 90 minutes already. <laughs> I love doing QFTA. Something, something is wrong in my brain that I can just talk like this. Like, I don't think it's healthy. It's a good it's, thing you can, or it wouldn't be an hour and a half. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, like, I don't... I, I just, I mean, it's so... Fu- and I could go on and on and on, but I'm like, fuck, it's not fair to Pete. Pete's leaving. He's got, you know, he's... He's he's playing it out. All right, I I, I got a letter to turn in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Shit, and I got to go post on the fan page. Hey, if you're interested in becoming our producer, so I got I got shit to do too. I got to make sure I get to the porn email oh, because yeah. I deep teased it. 
Um, and it's great. And I don't think Caden uh, has – I got a big, long text from me. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that. My, <laughs> oh, you got that too. Uh, oh, boy. Um, that'll be a situation yeah. in there. <laughs> Not your problem. Not, not my problem. <laughs> I was just uh, responding. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Give me your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's like if Doug asked me what I thought about KMOV. <laughs> um, I want to make sure uh, that I get to it, but Caden didn't respond. I know she wants to because she, she read it. She goes, oh, my God, I've got to respond to this. Lisa Ann, uh, but she was shooting a bunch of stuff, so I guess they're back to shooting. Uh, Lisa Ann is just, like, cooped up in her apartment in Manhattan, so she ha- she responded and then kept following up, so I'll read it. This is, this is I'm curious, I have a feeling this might spark a discussion. And you're not familiar with any of this, right, Pete? You haven't seen it. I no, this is all news to me. Okay, all right, I'm looking forward to this. All right, before I do, uh, Munganest, uh, the sponsor of uh, the 7 o'clock hour on the Ryan Kelly Morning After and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Uh, it's where I got my car. Doug's got a car from there now. I got a text uh, from somebody. Uh, part of our group, as a matter of fact. Two cars from Munganast on uh, Friday. Two cars. I mean, what's going on with our audience and Munganast thrills me. Thrills me. Because I've gotten to know Jamie, and I've gotten to know Clayton, Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson. And they're such good guys. And they keep, and they, they creating specials for our audience. And so, of course, they're going to get a response. And this one for November is incredible. You get a 2020 MDX all-wheel drive lease for $349 a month. Zero down, 36-month lease, tax title license extra. And that is at St. Louis Acura, uh, and that's at Mason and Manchester. And you got yourself, I mean, as somebody who just got a car, I'm kind of like, I wish you would have told me about that. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, what an absolutely, that's a great car, $349 a month, zero down. That's just something else. Make sure you ask for the TMA or Tim McKernan Show special at St. Louis Acura. Go to stlouisacura.com. Also part of this Munganast family of automotive dealerships is Alton Toyota. Uh, At Alton Toyota, they have several new Toyotas with 0% financing available. Please visit altontoyota.com or stlouisacura.com for details. They can deliver your new slash used car to your work or home. And uh, that's what they did with me, and I'm very grateful for it. Uh, hell, I've never even been to Alton Toyota. Uh, they just took care of everything. You can go online, and they knock it out. That's the way things are right now, so that's what they're doing. And they're the best, man. Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, I'm so grateful for that relationship. Um, AltonToyota.com, StLouisAcura.com. They have over 200 pre-owned cars available, and it is a great, great couple of dealerships there. Uh, Seth Goldcamp, all these sponsors. I always rattle off, and we know the people, and I guess that's why it works. Uh, Seth Goldcamp went out of his way to offer this. For veterans, nurses, doctors, law enforcement, and firefighters, free furnace tune-up to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. No strings attached. No other purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank all of these frontline workers for their extraordinary efforts in 2020. To schedule your free tune-up or get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. It's Design Air, heating and cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Tim McKernan Show. And finally, the great James Carlton of Carlton State Farm Insurance uh, in Webster Groves. He's my guy. I switched to James Carlton a couple of years ago. This podcast is now 37 months old, and uh, he started with me before we even got the thing going. He just he, he, knew, he saw what was going on. He's like, I know what's going on with podcasts. I know you're going to do a good show. I want to get on board. Like, God bless. Well, now he's on the Ryan Kelly Morning After too. 
But the thing about James is it's so great because he runs an absolutely incredible insurance agency. Why? Well, he makes sure it's staffed Monday through Friday during business hours. So when you call, you actually talk to a human being and you're not like leaving an email or a message for somebody who's going to get back to you in a couple of days. When you talk about insuring life, home, auto, that's what you need. That's what you need. CarltonInsurance.net. Make the switch. They do all the paperwork for you. I made the switch. I know this firsthand. 314-961-4800 or go online at CarltonInsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. All right, Gangster Pete. I mean, what a question from the audience. <laughs> uh, it's got everything. It really does. And now we have this. Now, Timmy Recaps, for my money, uh, is one of our best emailers on questions from the audience he 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 puts questions to me that require outstanding thought and so i was on vacation last week uh this is actually the day of our uh ninth wedding anniversary anna marie and i uh got married in sanibel and that's why we're always down there at that time of year uh or this time of year and uh and i saw it and i don't know if he had a title on it but i opened it up uh and usually if I get a QFTA email, I just send it to my QFTA file, and then I'll read it usually when we're recording. But this one, I opened up. Timmy Recaps has credibility uh, as a good QFTA, kind of like Deebs. And I want to read, uh, and, and this is the way it started out. I'm not sure you'll have this answer for this, but as an unapologetic consumer of all things porn, I have a question for you. And it caught my attention. That, that opener caught my attention. So I read on, and I read on for our audience. Call me naive, but where in the hell is all the money being made from porn going? For the sake of the conversation, I'm not considering OnlyFans as part of big porn, and let's try to think of the industry <laughs> in pre-COVID terms. I've never heard the term big porn. I like it. I like big porn, yeah. Uh, the pornography industry revenue is in the tens and tens of billions. The internet revenue is in the low single-digit billions, yet you rarely hear of anyone in the industry really making it. For every industry leader that used that's the success in base to pivot to bigger things, like, say, Elisa Ann or Lana Rhodes, with her successful merch line, there seems to be a disproportionate number of heartbreaking stories of young persons massively crashing and burning. As a brief aside, Lisa Ann legitimately seems like a smart, smart cookie. She's the one porn star you've had on the show who I enjoy listening to. I always, and I, I'm, 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 this is me making a brief aside. Pete, you've been producing the show since August of 18. How many porn stars have we had on in that time? Three, maybe. I was thinking Gabby, Keisha Gray. Four. And, and Lisa Ann. Am I, who are you thinking of? Well, Caden was on the podcast. She was on the podcast, but yeah. I'm talking on the radio show. Oh, yeah. Because you said right. on TMA. It's maybe like three. Yeah, so that so, and this isn't directed at Timmy recaps because it's just it's like Frank Cusimano talks high school basketball, and then you listen to his show, and he really doesn't talk that much high school basketball. And the thing that's been attached to our show, well, me, is I talk porn, and I'm just like, you know, like like if people are like, yeah, you know, we're interested in hiring you, but you can't have porn stars on, and I'll go, okay, sounds good. I don't have porn stars on, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then I think one of the most prominent segments of our show is Lisa Ann who's a porn star but we don't we, she talks fantasy football and she's clearly an educated businesswoman so it's just one of those things that gets attached to me and or the show and I just for the life of me I don't get it because it's not true it's just not it's actually it's math if this isn't subjective it's mathematically not true you've been producing the show for 26 months 
And we've had, well, I remember we had Gabby Carter on the morning of the Blues and Stars Game 5. And we had Keisha Gray on for an interview that I wish we had back because I didn't <laughs> realize she was not in a good place at the time. <laughs> right. But it's just not something that, that's like a regular. It's not like, oh, it's, you know, Wednesday. It's time to talk to our favorite stag actress. It's just not something that we do regularly. But anyway, I, I digress, um, as does uh, Timmy Recaps. He says, digressing. I know it's in fashion to mock these people and laugh at them. <laughs> I don't know if that's the fashion. But I've had to switch the dial numerous times when your morning show hosts these young women because it's so damn depressing. Well, now he's building off a false premise, and I'm a Timmy Recaps question lemming, uh, to hear how low and beat up they sound. Am I, are we missing porn star? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this to be flippant, but are we missing some? Uh, we had Keisha on, and that was awful. I mean, we've played some clips of Iggy talking to him <laughs> on Bippin' Show. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know if, I don't, <laughs> I mean, it's just not, I don't know what to say. And but Lisa, but Lisa Ann certainly some, doesn't sound depressing. Yeah, I mean, Lisa Ann's doing quite well for herself. I mean, Caden is a married woman, a mother who, Mogul. You know, yeah, and has been like a guest of John Stossel on Fox Business. So I don't know. I don't know who we're talking about here. I really don't. I don't know. But I, that, that wasn't the point of the email, actually. I read it. I read it, and then I forwarded it to Lisa Ann, and I forwarded it to Caden. Uh, and you'll get Lisa Ann's response momentarily. Um, but I, I, but that this wasn't the part that stood out to me. But now I'm reading it again just for the second time, and I'm like, you had to switch the dial numerous times when your morning show hosts these young women because it is so damn depressing to hear how low and beat up they sound. The forced giggles... <laughs> And blank conversations are gut-wrenching. Nobody forces my giggles, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Life kicked the absolute shit out of them. <laughs> Many have backstories of physical abuse, drugs, and financial ruin. And I can't hear it. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't know how anyone goes to the AVN Awards and doesn't leave feeling like they just witnessed a room full of people who will be absolutely broken financially and internally within a short amount of years? Oh, Legitimately God. bums me out. Was that a sh- is that is that directed at me? I think it's I mean, directed at Iggy in his interviews from the yeah. AVNs. I don't know if it's directed at me. Uh, this email is a lot more powerful now that I've read it a second <laughs> time and not in Sanibel. Um Yeah, I don't. Well, I know him. I mean, I know I know Caden K- Cross is like a friend. You know, she I was think super cl- cool. I liked her a lot. I mean, I think I think I'm actually closer with Caden than I am with Joe Buck. As weird as that sounds, um, Lisa Ann. I mean, Lisa Ann, and I haven't hung out with Lisa Ann outside of our events, but we communicate. Um, and I know they're like really like successful and well-off people who are happy. So my experience with uh, you know adult film stars, I guess, is different than than Timmy Recaps. I don't know. I, I, but, I mean, if you look at, like, sports, you could be, in, or music, or acting, like not stag acting, I mean, there are plenty of stories of drugs and domestic violence and, you know, crashing and burning. But this is my own thing. I don't know. I, I, I but, anyway, I'm going to keep, i got to keep reading. Uh, yeah, so, anyway, when I go to the AVNs, which my wife has gotten me twice as a Christmas par- present, uh, and my wife is not on board with stag, like in the slightest. I mean, for real, like really, like as another digression, uh, 
like Jameson is currently just invading our bed. And it's to a point where it's like he's a sleeping sideways, and we just can't sleep. So I'm just like, I'm just, I'm going to sleep in, in a guest bedroom. And she's like, oh, God, you're probably just in there beating off and watching porn. <laughs> and I go, i got to be honest with you. I could beat off anywhere. <laughs> I, said, I said, it's just not it's just not that important. I don't need a bed, honey. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, you might think I'm in the restroom relieving myself, and I could be, I mean, the truth is I could be in there beating off. I mean, it's, I just don't need the guest bedroom at all. I mean, and I think almost every guy and a lot of women know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's but she is so not on board. But yet she's friends with Kate, and she's she thinks the world of Kate, Lisa Ann and Kate. She knows these women, you know. <laughs> but she's not like ooh porn, you know, sad story. It, so I don't know. I guess we're coming from this a different place, which is why when I got the email, I wanted to forward it to people who would actually know because maybe my view is different. Um, but, yeah, my wife, who is anti-porn, like, for real anti-porn, like, an- more anti-porn than I think people would ever imagine, especially being married to me, um, uh, has bought me tickets to go to the AVN, and she goes with me, you know? And so, anyway, I don't know. So, I don't know if, if that were an unintentional shot at me or if it were a shot at Aggie, because otherwise, I don't know anybody who goes <laughs> to the AVNs. <laughs> so, I do not feel, what were the word? feeling like they just witnessed a room full of people who will be absolutely broken financially and internally <laughs> within a short couple of years. It legitimately bums me out. Yeah, I don't know, man. I've been a couple times, and it's cool. Uh, <laughs> I know you're keyed into the industry from a fascination standpoint, so I'm shooting an educated bullet and assuming you've maybe had some of these thoughts too. Uh, where in the hell is the money going, and how have they, big porn, not figured out a way to spread it around. Are there massive porn talent agents making coin off the industry? I doubt there's more than a couple big directors behind the camera personnel who have fuck you kind of money. Where in the world is all the money? I have a pretty good idea about how a lot of the online stuff works, and I'm sure the conglomerates at the top are cashing huge checks. The top three or four free sites drive 99% of all porn traffic and advertise the smaller sites on their site. The small porn sites pay a fee to advertise on the bigger sites in hopes of driving clicks to their smaller site. The big site takes a commission. I didn't know any of this stuff. The big site takes a commission and gets the initial clicks as well. It's a perfect vampire ecosystem. But still, you'd think with a near triple number billion dollar industry, there would be some magnets or some long-term filthy rich from the porn tycoons or a path of financial sustainability of sorts. I don't know, man. Perhaps this email won't read in a linear fashion, but I'm hoping you get the point. Somewhat related, the subscription porn sites cannot be doing well, right? Obviously, COVID has mucked the whole industry up, but I find the business of porn to be endlessly fascinating. Sad, gut-wrenching, but absolutely fascinating nonetheless. Well, I never thought I'd email a man I hardly know about porn, but here we are. Thanks, and keep putting out these QFDAs. If you fall short on questions, maybe just to discuss a couple topics you find interesting in current events, I feel like the breakdown of the business of porn could fill hours and hours. I agree on that. That comes from Timmy Recaps, who has sent in over the course of QFTA, for my money, the best questions. And questions sometimes I kind of force a, a self-examination or allow me to answer questions that I think a lot of people in the audience actually want to hear me discuss, but they don't ask. So, I, I, so, I'm, so I'm glad he asked it. Um, my So to answer... With my personal experience, um, I, and, and, and honestly, 
I, Lisa Ann wrote a Word document in response to this, so um, I will read that. But I want to give my response before hers because I, 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 I don't want to basically plagiarize her response and say, yeah, I agree with what she said because she's obviously coming at a different place than I am. Um, I think one of the biggest issues on it, and you could say it's chicken or egg, is that if you participate in pornography, that you're outcast by mainstream society. Now, I think that has been reduced substantially in the last decade. Um, And I think what that has done, and I'm curious what Lisa Ann said about this. I I read over her email, but I read it right when I, like, landed uh, over the weekend getting back home. And then she kept following up, but she was following up on Kim Kardashian, which I will get to. Um, but that's really it, 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 a part of part of her um, part of her response. But um, you know, it's now that now it has a term attached to it, which is slut shaming. Fifteen years ago, Jenna Jameson was the one person that everybody knew was making money. But she, I think, she wrote a book like talking about how wealthy she was making porn. Um, but it was a contract industry then. It is, it is totally different now. And that does come from people owning their own content, which is such an important thing. Um, not just for porn, by the way. Um, you know, I mean, not that they're the same thing, although clearly some people in the world think that porn and TMA are the same thing. But TMA goes wherever I go. You know, I own it. I, well, I, Inside STL owns it, and I own the majority of Inside STL. So, you know, that's that, you know. <laughs> there's a reason why I make sure that that's you know that I get that taken care of and have had that the, the case for for ten years. Um, all the archives, all of the you know materials, that's that's inside STLs. That's that. Uh, all of Lisa Ann's stuff I know because she's talked about it on a radio show. She just sometimes on OnlyFans just turns out scenes she shot you know ten years ago. Um, so with that all said, I don't have people paying me, you know, $20 a month to listen to old TMA clips. Uh, so it's a different deal. But, you know, owning your own content is important. And they, they didn't do that before. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, the term slut shaming is attached to it. And I think that that is I think it's more it may seem more vocal now because of social media. And you didn't have that 15 years ago. But I think people's comfort level with sexuality is exponentially higher now in 2020 than it was in 2005. I mean, and, and so to, 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 to essentially just from a time standpoint, use 1990 to 2005 and then 2005 to 2020. And I could be wrong on this, and maybe it's because of my, my age and I was, you know, in my teens in the 1990s. But I think that that is, I think that the world's comfort level with sexuality, or the United States specifically, which is certainly more conservative than, than a lot of European countries, uh, is exponentially higher. And it's just like, oh, you know, like, like if somebody announces they're gay, or somebody, some people might have announced they're gay and you don't even know. It's like nobody, it's kind of like, okay, who fucking cares? Oh, you know, she's bi, well, that's hot, I guess, you know, but whatever, who, who gives a shit? You know, it's, it's kind of gotten to that point. You know, like um, an affair, for example, for a politician used to be an autumn like you withdraw from the race. Uh, you know, I mean, automatically uh, I'm reading Barack Obama's book right now. Um, and he talks about um, who was it that he ran against for the U.S. Senate in 2004. You might remember this, Pete. Uh, Ryan was his name. I think it's Jack. Might have been Jack Ryan. And they unsealed 
his divorce files, which has not happened since, uh, you know, that were private, that he and his wife did not want unsealed. His ex-wife, because they had a young child, and they unsealed them, and even though there was no domestic abuse or physical abuse, uh, they went to sex clubs, and and he had to withdraw from the race. I just... You know the idea of that, and that was that was 2004. I mean, if that if that doesn't happen, I'm not sure Barack Obama's. You know, he, that's why he writes about it in his book, uh, Promised Land. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he ascends to where he wound up ascending in 2020. I mean, it, certainly it would be something people talk about. But you had a guy nearly win a U.S. Senate race in North Carolina, and just like a month ago, he had a sexting scandal. I think with a reporter. Do you know what I'm talking about? He, I think he lost to Tillis. It's Cunningham Tillis. I don't remember who it was. Um, like, but he, he nearly won. So the reason I bring these things up is this is, this is, this is recent history. Um, so I think that people's comfort level overall, it's something that Caden talked about when she was a guest on the podcast, that you're going to find, like what's happened with Maitland Ward is a perfect example. Now, I didn't watch Boy Meets World. Did you watch Boy Meets World with the great Fred Savage's brother? I uh, watched episodes. I wasn't like every episode guy. It was a Dan, Dan Savage is the sex columnist. <laughs> ben Savage, I think. And that's who I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, I think that's right. So Topanga was the, uh, yes. the big... Yes, yes, yes. Well, Maitland Ward was on that show. And, you know, she's obviously a young actress. Her career didn't, you know, stick, just like basically everybody in that show's didn't stick. It's tough to, you know, transition from a child actor or actress to keep it going. And so she got into, like, you know, like taking bikini shots. And then it's kind of like everybody's like, boy, she's starting to show more in the bikini shots. And then you're just kind of like, okay, we see where this is going. And now she's full on. She just released an anal scene last week. She was on Boy Meets World 15 years ago. Now she's doing anal. And so, and she's like one of the biggest stars in the adult industry. She's, I think she's, I think she's older than me. She's right around my age. And what Caden was saying is now that it's becoming more uh, common for people to do this with Instagram and OnlyFans. I mean, you don't have to be showing anything on OnlyFans to have an OnlyFans. That it's kind of like, yeah, we do it. And okay, so, so somebody who's in their 50s or 60s who, you know, might be, you know, really uncomfortable with it because they're actually morally opposed to it or really uncomfortable with it but fucking around on their spouse behind their back but still going to publicly condemn because they're going to be in the front pew every Sunday. Uh, one of those people. Uh, okay, fine, fuck them. I don't, need, I don't need them because I now own my own shit and can make my own money. So you're not going to hire me for a role or you're not going to elect me for an office? Fine, fuck you. Don't. I don't care. I'm making a bunch of money holding up my phone. So Fine. You want to call me a slut? Fine, call me a slut. I don't really give a shit. I'm making $400,000 a year, you know, working like 75 days of the, the year. I mean, so fine. You don't like me? Good. I probably wouldn't like you. Who fucking cares? And I think that that is what has changed. But if you aren't aware of that, then perhaps you view it from the perspective of what is, I guess, oftentimes the U.S.'s issues with sexuality, the puritanical roots of the United States, and the weirdness that we sometimes, at least I think, weirdness, I'm sure people think I'm weird, though, with being repressed about sexuality. You know, it's like, it, so somebody's into this, great. Does the person treat you well? Are they honorable? Great. So 
he enjoys bottoming for another gentleman. You know, all right. I mean, not something that I necessarily want to get into, but that's what he does. Okay, great. But he's a cool guy, and when he says something, I know I can count on it. Well, God bless it. It's all. I mean, what else do I fucking want? You know. I don't need to be, like, sitting at the end of the bed watching. That's not my bag, you know? Just like when I'm, you know, having sex with my wife, that he's not standing at the end of the bed. You know, at least <laughs> I don't think he is. I haven't seen him down there. So, it's it, you know, it's like, who gives a shit? So, you know, I don't necessarily want to think about it, but, you know, I doubt he wants to think about me having heterosex. So who fucking cares? So that's where I am on it. But I also realize that I am, that I am in an extreme relative to certainly a St. Louis metropolitan area audience. Uh, I, I obviously don't think it's extreme. Nobody who is extreme thinks they're extreme. I think that this is actually right, and I think it is healthy. But I know that it is not viewed that way. Gangster Pete, you are certainly more in the, I don't know what the right term middle would be. I don't even know what that is. But definitely not where I am. So where what are your thoughts before I read uh, Lisa Ann's response? I mean... I I don't have strong feelings about it. I think you said it very well. I, I tend to agree with what you said. The, I'm, uh, I'm really interested to hear what Lisa Ann has to say. So, and I, and I read it, like I said, I read it right when I landed, and I'm like, and I wrote right back, I go, oh my God, you went word doc, and she went point by point. <laughs> I mean, she, and that's the thing, and I know Caden was all fired up about it too. Be, well, and, I th- and I don't think it was fired up about it, like offended by it, because I mean, you know, at this point, I mean, what, what, you think they haven't been called whores and, you know, taking shots uh, via social media? I mean, they don't really give a shit. Who cares at this point? I mean, one's living in a, in a nice place in Manhattan. One's living in Los Angeles with a family. I mean, you know, you know, you might not approve of what they do, but they're doing fine. You don't have to be concerned about them. Now, I also want to say this before I read what Lisa Ann says. When I talk about Lisa Ann, I talk about Caden Cross. It's like, uh, I don't I don't know what we would want to draw a parallel to but we're but in fairness we're choosing we're not choosing these are the two i have a a rapport with uh two people who have had you know a great deal of success in this business so it's like well let's see what it was like to you know be a professional golfer okay let's not talk with robert streb let's talk with tiger woods and phil mickelson you know i mean that that so it's you know guys who grinded it out of the mini tours and never made it past you know what was the web.com may have a different perspective and i actually from talking with some of those guys they talk about how fucking miserable it is but if you talk to not even a tiger or phil like adam long who's on our show you know a decent amount his his perspective is certainly going to be totally different it's a different deal i mean the guy's made a couple million this year 1.5 or whatever the hell he's made so he's got a different perspective so with that said i think it's important that i include that i think that's only fair here's what here's we're going to go case or line by line so i'm uh reading and lisa ann's uh responses in blue i'm not sure you'll have this answer for this but as an unapologetic consumer of all things porn i have a question for you call me naive but where in the hell is all the money being made from porn going for the sake of the conversation, I'm not considering OnlyFans as part of big porn, and let's try to think of the industry in pre-COVID terms. Okay, that was Tim's email. Here is Lisa Ann. She jumps in right here. There is more money on the table than you can even imagine. Talent makes money shooting for studios, webcam, OnlyFans, etc. And though you may not believe it is there, the talent is smarter than talking about it. Post-COVID, OnlyFans popped off. 
And the average girl can have a take-home of $10,000 per month minimum. The girls that hustle are making seventy-five dollars to $85,000 per month. Damn. I didn't know that. This comes from a place of a lack of understanding and only noticing the negative. The news covers our industry when it comes to crime, overdoses, drugs, and suicides. But there is a large percentage of talent living in nice homes, saving money, and setting up their retirement. It's not as desperate as many think, but letting the world know the truth may take away the allure and create resentment. So, when you are in the know, you realize quickly there is no need to boast or brag about money and or success. That was Lisa Ann. Here is Tim. The pornography industry revenue is in the tens and tens of billions. The internet revenue is in the low single-digit billions. Yet you rarely hear of anyone in the industry really quote-unquote making it. Lisa Ann's response. My first answer covered it, but also take this into consideration. Endless people come in, make their money, and go. So you may not hear their success story. The world slash news does not celebrate our success stories and in reality cannot face or accept that many good people actually do this, make good money, and then live great lives. Also, what do you consider quote-unquote making it? I mean, for most of us who came from very little, having a nice, safe place to live, money in the bank, and the freedom to travel the world and make your own schedule is making it. To me, it is and always will be. That was Lisa Ann. Here is uh, Timmy Recaps. For every industry leader that used the success and base to pivot to bigger things like, say, Elisa Ann or Lana Rhodes with her successful merch line, there seems to be a disproportionate number of heartbreaking stories of young persons massively crashing and burning. As a brief aside, Lisa Ann legitimately seems like a smart, smart cookie. She's the one porn star you've had on the show, TMA, whom I enjoy listening to. Uh, Lisa Ann responds, not to sound repetitive, but again... The sensational story is the tragedy. It aligns with the guilt many people have for watching porn and for enjoying it, even though it should not be a thing. I get calls monthly about documentaries. I am told I am too positive, and they are looking for a different spin. They only want to shine the light on the darkness, and that's a hard fact. Uh, Back to Tim. Digressing, I know it's in fashion to mock these people and laugh at them, but I've had to switch the dial numerous times when your morning show hosts these young women because it's so damn depressing to hear how low and beat up they sound. The forced giggles and blank conversations are gut-wrenching. Life kicks the absolute shit out of them. Many have backstories of physical abuse, drugs, and financial ruin, and I can't hear it. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't know how anyone goes to the AVN Awards and doesn't leave feeling like they just witnessed a room full of people who will be absolutely broken financially and internally within a short couple of years. It legitimately bums me out. Here's Lisa Ann's response to that. Well, there are some underlying narratives with many of the people that have all wandered into the industry, including myself. It's a matter of do these people take the money to improve their quality of life like I have done, or do they fall into the lifestyle of drugs and bad things? It's not much different than all musicians and athletes. Some make even more money, yet have nothing left at the end of it all. Understand, not everyone is brilliant or interviews well. We see it with athletes all the time, right? But we don't turn them off the dial. Lisa Ann. She's killing it. (laughs) Uh, Back to Timmy Recaps. I know you're keyed into the industry from a fascination standpoint, so I'm shooting an educated bullet in assuming you've maybe had some of these thoughts too. Where in the hell is the money going, and how have they, big porn, 
not figured out a way to spread it around? Are the massive porn talent agents making coin off the industry? I doubt there's more than a couple big directors or behind-the-camera personnel who have fuck-you kind of money. Where in the world is all the money? Here is Lisa Ann. The industry preys on the weak. Agents are the first offense. They can totally rob a girl, leaving her in a situation to work more and maybe run her down a lot faster. The big wigs in the industry are making disgusting amounts of money, yet they pay the talent for what I call piecework, a daily rate. No commissions, no royalties. This is why I had my own production company so I could sell and license my movies for eternity. Now, with COVID, the force for the talent to create their own income through vehicles like OnlyFans has been incredible, and the talent is finally seeing they don't need to work as much for other companies, which is creating a new financial ecosystem in the industry, finally putting the money back in the hands of the talent. This is creating a tipping point for the shady agents and sketchy companies because most of the talent will have no reason to go back again, landing more money directly in their pockets. Timmy recaps. I have a pretty good idea about how a lot of the online stuff works, and I'm sure the conglomerates at the top are cashing huge checks. The top three or four free sites drive 99% of all porn traffic and advertise the smaller sites on their site. Small porn sites pay a fee to advertise on the bigger sites in hopes of driving clicks to their smaller site. The big site takes a commission and gets the initial clicks as well. It's a perfect vampire ecosystem, but still, you'd think with a near triple number billion dollar industry there would be some magnets or some long-term filthy rich porn from porn tycoons or a path of financial sustainability of sorts lisa ann's response the shift from that is here and we are all excited to watch the new balance of it all bring much bigger things with the girls i'm still connected with they are busy landing money in their retirement funds and watching it grow during this year their confidence is at an all-time high uh, Timmy recaps. I don't know, man. Perhaps this email won't read in a linear fashion, but I'm hoping you get the point. Somewhat related, the subscription porn sites cannot be doing well, right? Obviously, COVID's mucked the whole industry up, but I find the business of porn to be endlessly fascinating. Sad, gut-wrenching, but absolutely fascinating <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, Elise Ann responds. Subscription sites are doing the best they have since 2008 during COVID. When people can't go out to spend money, they will spend it at home, which is causing a massive spike. Men that frequented strip clubs are now doing one-on-one cam shows with girls spending just as much, if not more, because it's all online and they don't even see the cash they're spending. The money talent is raking it in. The money talent is raking in is mind-blowing. In three conversations I had this week, the total earnings between the four of us, me included, would be close to $400,000 for the month. Holy shit. Good money. My God. Pete, we need to go into stack. Yeah, you want to make out? <laughs> yeah, what a way to, for QFTA <laughs> to go out uh, like the end of Bruno. Uh, well, I never thought I'd email a man. I hardly know about porn, but here we are. Uh, this is Timmy Recaps. Thanks, and keep putting out these QFTAs. If you fall short on questions, maybe just discuss a couple topics you find interesting in current events. I feel like the breakdown of the business of porn could fill hours and hours. Thanks, it's Recaps. Lisa Ann, to wrap this up, here is what you don't know. The world would rather keep the industry in a box, slut shame us, degrade us, because most of the world has an issue coming to terms with how much porn they consume. The light is shined on the bad stories to amplify the negative emotions to the product, but that is a built-in mindset, like a really bad order of fast food, that instant gratification you feel, though you know you shouldn't consume it. It's a nice analogy. Yeah. 
the industry always feared that if it got out that we were all doing so well, it would kind of lose its luster. It is in no way as bad as most think, and there are so many people like myself who put the remainder of their lives on cruise control over what we've built even after we leave. I make a nice side income on my OnlyFans, reposting, reposting all the content that I own as I knew ownership was key. I make more money now spending 45 minutes to an hour a day uploading content to my site than I did when I was on set 10 days a month. Uh, that is Lisa Ann's response. And then um, she followed up as we were, uh, as I said, uh, to thank her for how thorough she was. Holy shit. Uh, this was uh, yesterday morning, actually. She wrote, I had an additional thought about the never heard of anyone making it big. How about this one? Kim Kardashian. Why did she make <laughs> it so big? Because she lied to the world about her tape, quote unquote, leaking, which in the U.S. is illegal. Sexual content cannot be released without two forms of ID and 2257 paperwork, which is linked to the government for verification. She got $5 million from Vivid for her sex tape and won the empathy of the world by saying it was leaked, which is not legal to be distributed or sold for profit. Validating the point, no one wants to allow uh, to promote success of anyone willing to have sex on camera. So to get that making it big, some real shadiness goes down, and the Kardashians knew the loophole and have made it. So there is also that. Uh, I had this thought in my sleep and wrote a note to send it over. <laughs> uh, so she was uh, fired up. And I said, I honestly had never heard that. Had you heard that, Pete? Uh, I thought I had heard that from her, maybe. Yeah, and I watched the Letterman. You watched the Letterman thing, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Talked about it. And, and, I, and I felt like she got emotional talking about it. So I guess the thing that I guess the thing that she's putting forward is that it was stolen, and then they didn't have a choice but to make money off of it. I think that's what I think. Because when I read Lisa Ann's email, I wanted to make sure that I had my facts, so I went and looked up articles on it. And what Lisa Ann wrote is, you know, is is consistent with this. Uh, she saw it was choreographed. We all saw the contract. She got $5 million to pretty much fill out the paperwork. She took it up front. Um, and uh, and let's see, it's it's right here on uh, a website called thesquander.com. Ray J uh, talks smack every time she is in the news because he makes more money. It's not a legal in the U.S. for a, it's not a legal act in the U.S. for a sex tape to be leaked and sold for profit. Revenge porn on the Internet Uh People have gone to jail for it. Um, the, go the government requires a 2257 to people. Everyone was at will and is to show that everyone was at will and is of age. And so I read, read up on that. And whereas, so for example, the reason being, and I guess the Kim Kardashian thing happened like 14, 15 years ago. With the backlash to uh, the fappening, this was actually cited in an article I read yesterday, <laughs> but also... What was another significant event where somebody's privacy was violated and it was shared online? When I say it, you'll remember it. I'm putting you on one the spot night in here. Paris. Oh, that's a nice play. That's a nice play. Very nice. That's not the one I was thinking of. Aaron Andrews. Oh yeah. Uh, when that happened, that changed the dynamic uh, because obviously on that, Aaron, you know, I mean, that, you know, that was a, that's a that's a different deal and uh in you know and obviously there was litigation and so on and so forth um so that changed the public's mind on oh this is hot 
you know, here's Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's, you know, video of their honeymoon that somehow somebody has. <laughs> oh, here's Ray J and Kim Kardashian that somehow somebody has. You know, and then also the article said that people have things on their phones that they wouldn't want out now. You know, whereas before, you know, this, these were VHS tapes. Well, at this point, you know, people have take your pick of whatever on there. They wouldn't want get, getting out. And so the mindset is a lot different, and that's why there are these revenge porn laws that are, that are out there and certainly more prominent um, than they were years ago. So anyway, that was Lisa Ann's premise. Do with it what you will. Those were her words written to me. So, Gangster Pete, now that you have heard that, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love Lisa Ann. She's so smart. Uh, I assume that with all the OnlyFans and all that, since there's more more outlets for the stars to get paid, that they wouldn't have to put up with as bad of working conditions. So I kind of assumed that the industry would be getting better because of that kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm not really surprised by what I heard, but it was nice hearing Lisa Ann put it so articulately. I'm surprised, but Caden said this too. But now this corroborates with Caden, so I don't remember hearing it. How Caden said there are multiple girls now making millions. Right. Whereas before, God, I remember, this was like, I don't even know what it was. This might be 10 years ago. And Caden came to town and we were bullshitting. And it was just me, her, and I think Anna Marie, actually. And I had no idea what she made. And I, I just vomited out a number, just like as, as like for conversation purposes. And I just remember her response was kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's in that ballpark. And now I look back on it, and she's probably like, you have no fucking idea, um, you know, how much money. Because there's so many different revenue streams. It's not just the movies. So what goes on now is, is girls go into porn to build up their OnlyFans. And then... Once they've done that, then they leave porn. And now they're making all of their money on OnlyFans. But when Caden said that regarding, you know, I don't know if she used Abigail Mack as an example, but I know she knows her and directed, like, her big feature thing. Um, and I'm certain Abigail Mack has to be one of the top. Uh, that, that just, that, that, that girls are making multiple girls are making millions of dollars. I'm like, really? I think you're kind of exaggerating. Well, now, now Lisa Ann lays out the numbers and how it works. And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's the deal. So you go into porn like Gabby Carter did. You build up your, you know, the thing where you own, and then, they fill, then you build up the subscribers, and that's how you make your money. And so if, it, let's just say for this, let make the math easy, and we'll do the math quickly here, uh, that you have an OnlyFans and you're charging 10 bucks a month, um, and you get, a thousand subscribers that is ten thousand dollars uh just like that just like that that's it you just made ten thousand dollars <laughs> thank you i mean just like that you're making six figures now six figures living <laughs> in la <laughs> six figures in la or new york is different than six figures in st louis but you know still it's that that and but again that's just one form of the stream and that's a thousand subscribers that's it I think we would all agree that Gabby Carter probably would have more than 1,000 subscribers. I think we certainly would agree Abigail Mack. Uh, and I'm talking about these women like I'm talking about Mike Trout. You know? <laughs> I, I realize not, not everybody knows what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, these are the bigger stars in the industry. They have way more than that. And it just multiplies. And it's just, you know, so it makes sense. Oh, by the way, plus they shoot movies and get paid. By the way, you know, you'll have your, your, your private chat sessions and so on and so forth it's not just the the ten dollars a month so when you lay the math out like that you go holy shit now i see it 
Now, for, for everybody's consumption is different. For me, I had a guy, guy I know, actually, uh, you know, he's kind of, he's, hey, who's your favorite chatterbait girl? And I go, <laughs> I, I go, I got to be honest with you, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. He goes, no way. And I go, I really, I think I've heard of it, but I don't really know much about it. And he goes, no way. He goes, there's just no, and I go, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, you know, I find uh, women who I find attractive, and that's who I follow. I'm not into like the, you know, but again, I'm not, I'm not kink shaming at all. Some people are into some things and some people are in other things. I, you know, I, I personally, it's attractive women. That's what I like who, you know, you know, that, that's my, that, which I don't think is necessarily all that outlandish for human <laughs> beings. <laughs> oh, so Tim's into attractive women. What weird, a fucking, weird kink. What, what an eye opening, what an eye opening podcast he did this past <laughs> week. You know, sure. Pete's leaving and he broke down the, the radio business versus podcast, but you got to listen for all two and a half hours in which Tim reveals he's into attractive women. Oh, what a fucking mess. I'm talking about like the guys who are whatever. I mean, everybody's got their things and, you know, to each their own. But uh, my, my, my premise is this. I don't need to like, like have a private conversation. Like if anything, I'd be kind of fucking weirded out. Like I get it if my wife were like, what the fuck are you doing? You're having a private conversation and spending like a hundred dollars a month to <laughs> chat with some girl while, while, she, while she acts like she's, you know, masturbating. That actually, I think, would fall in the realm of betrayal of trust. I actually would accept that as for the, the betrayal of trust. I think I would accept that. I, and I would say I, I, I would have to, to say, yes, you're right on that one. But me watching a stag flick, I don't see it that way. I don't. I really don't. Uh, I don't know. I guess everybody's got their own things on it. So it just depends on where you are. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I think I think it's healthy. Not only am I not ashamed of it, I'm not the slightest bit ashamed of it. I actually think it's healthy. I think it's healthy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you as somebody who's been divorced, I think it's healthy to celebrate sex and sexuality as opposed to go, Oh, fuck. Damn it. We're not, you know, having sex as much as we did when we first, you know, started out. Well, I guess that means something's wrong with our marriage as opposed to just simple biochemistry. And now I got to go get it on the side and break up a family. You know, I mean, fuck. <laughs> you know, that, that's how, but that's how I look at it. Yeah. And, that's, I, it and that's where I was. And I, Pete, I know you're not married and you're not coming at it from that perspective. But that's how I look at it. And I think it's actually healthy, but for whatever reason, it's taboo. And I and I don't know why it's taboo. I think it's becoming less taboo. But I think people like have to like, oh, you watch porn, you know, and shamed. Oh, you you know, beat off, shame, you know, and you know, oh, you want to have a threesome, shame. It's like I don't fucking know what to tell you. It's great. I, I would recommend it to everybody, and I think it's wonderful. And I've been with the same woman, you know, for twelve years. And I'm fucking, you know, I couldn't be, ha I don't know what else to say, you know. <laughs> so, and, and here I am watching porn and talking with porn stars. And, and I know that's like counterintuitive to people. But that's what I am and that's who I am. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. But I want to also say this. If that's not your thing, I don't think that it means it's wrong for you if it's not your thing. I'm not saying this is the map to follow to happiness at all. It, it's a person-by-person person thing, and I'm sure there are plenty of people 
who are in, you know, incredibly happy marriages, um, you know, that are, you know, your ABC, you know, Ward and June Cleaver marriages, you know. So that's it. So it's not to say that the only way to get there is, is, is my way at all. I'm just saying that this this is this is it. And I don't apologize for it or I'm ashamed of it, for fuck's sake. You know, uh, so I, I, I think, you know, Lisa Ann's looking at it from the business perspective. But I think the root of the question is actually more in, I think, anyway, talk of sexuality and our comfort level with sexuality. That's what I, I mean, maybe I'm off on that. I could be off on that. Um, but that's what I think. Because I think if you're shamed into having to go into like a corner of society, well, then if your only friends can be the people who are also in that corner, well, now you have an issue. Um, so I, so I think, I think the, the fair thing would be, like Gabby Carter is on her way out of the industry, but I mean they 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 come back like boxers, so you, you never know. And I don't and I don't have a rapport with her, uh, and I don't know if she would necessarily be able to lay it out like Lisa Ann did or or Caden did. Probably not. But yeah, that's kind of my read. But somebody who was out of it and is happy they're out of it and had bad experiences, I don't know who that would be. And I'm sure I could, you know, maybe somebody could email me actually. Uh, and maybe maybe tell another side of it because, like I said, this is like getting the hey, you know, what's it like being a professional golfer? Okay, I want to hear what guys are like on the web.com. Well, here's what Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson have to say. But it's not, it's not, it's not representative. So I, I need to include that. But I think the greater conversation is how we talk about sex and sexuality. Like I am deemed off limits by some advertisers and or some radio places or what I would do because I talk about sex, and yet here I am is like a you know, a, a husband and a father with a zero rap sheet, but I talk about sex and it just, it just fucks me up that that's like a, that's a, that's like a, well, you gotta be careful with him. <laughs> well, why? You know, he's worked with like the same guys forever and they've had this successful run. Yeah, but he has porn stars on. Oh, <laughs> now I get it. It's a most, it's just, a, but I think, I think a lot of that is breaking down. I think, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or not, but like with Joe Buck, and what he's doing with his podcast, just talking about shit that everybody experiences, I think it's kind of breaking down. But five years ago, I'm not sure like a guy who's calling the World Series and Super Bowl would have been able to say the word fuck on a podcast and not have it be a big deal. Like Tom Ackerman accidentally said shit on KMOX when he thought his mic was off 20 years ago, and it became a huge story. I feel like somebody says fuck on TMA every other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, it just happens, and it's kind of like now, somehow it's not me. But it just happens, and it's like, okay, or a caller calls, and nobody really gives a shit anymore. And I think it's great. I think it's healthy that we can be who we are and go, okay, you know, so you like to suck dick. That's great. You like to – you don't. You know, great. Who gives a shit? You know, who just we are who we are. Are we quality people to each other? Great. You know, I mean – and again, that, that wasn't the premise of his email. That wasn't the premise of his email at all. The premise of the email is the business and what I'm saying is the reason why you have some sob stories, sad stories in the business is because of the mainstream's attitude toward those who perform in it or are involved in it, which I think is the core issue. So that's it. I think Lisa made a great point. Like you've got athletes that have sad, bad yeah. stories, you know, but those aren't the ones that people amplify all the time. But those right. are in the porn industry. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a go-to, even though it's 20 years old at this point, but Leonard Little, and I know Leonard Little was not like, you know, Aeneas Williams or Tyoka Jackson or Kurt Warner, and by that I mean a go-to interview when the Rams were great and we were covering them on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, 
in other words, he was, you know, I mean, Aeneas Williams and Tyoka Jackson and Kurt Warren, I mean, these guys were just, Tori Holt, these guys were just incredible interviews. I mean, not only were they talented, but they're great fucking interviews. Uh, so Leonard Little was that guy. But if we were to have him on, you know, I mean, it's not something people wouldn't go, well, you're going to have somebody on who, you know, was intoxicated and, you know, granted, I realize the court case played out, but, you know, but if we had an adult film star on, you know, who was accused of, of that, it'd be a totally different thing. And it's just, you know, or, or DUIs, you know, or take your pick of whatever. And again, I'm not saying this is good and then this is bad. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying what you just said, Pete, what Lisa Ann pointed out. It goes on in all industries. I mean, should I discourage my son from pr- pursuing music because you have musicians who die young, you know, on ODs or, you know, per you know, pursuing whatever sport because, you know, these guys get a bunch of money and then they wind up becoming this or that and addicted to this or that. I mean, it happens across the board. Fucking our business, you know, whether it's people, you know, and it's not with TMA, but, you know, our business. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you know. So uh, I don't know. I, 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 but again, I think the stigma is because of sex. Now, this is my own opinion, and I know it's an unpopular opinion because I'm on my own island on this with this when it comes to sexuality, I just feel really strongly about it. Um, and, and I, and I think it's unfortunate. And I guess part of it is personal in the sense that I know that it's big times impacted my career. I don't know if it's necessarily cost me dollars, but it's just like, Oh, you know, they don't want to, you know, they want to advertise, but they don't feel like they can be on TMA. And I'm like, man, I know the dude who owns that company and he's a scumbag, <laughs> but he's going to, but he's going to go, but okay, fine, whatever, you know, fine. that shit's kind of gone by the wayside too. But it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, so we talk about sex, but everybody involved. And then look at all the stuff that's going on with the show as far as raising money for people in need. And it's not just like, okay, we do charity stuff to go, look at us, look at us. It's just like a listener's dealing with a tough situation and the, and the audience and the hosts and the producers come together to help. You know, oh, yeah, but we talk about fucking. So which one would you rather have? And I just I feel really passionately about it. Maybe that's why I get worked up about it, because I think I don't think it's that the people are flawed. I actually think the people who are flawed are those who shame those who do it. That's where I think the people are flawed. And I realize it's chicken and egg. Like in order to get into the industry, something probably didn't go the way you were planning. Although now we do have pe- people who are performing who are like, yeah, I knew I wanted to be a porn star when I was in high school, and I couldn't wait to go to L.A. or Miami and start shooting. You know? Like, I knew I wanted to do it, and they're, like, happy about it. Uh, as opposed to, like, oh, well, I got addicted to this, and now I got into it. So I like Lisa Ann laying it out. My guess is Caden will send me an interview, and it'll probably sound somewhat similar. But Lisa Ann, you know, isn't married with, with children. Caden is, and her husband is, you know, I think the the most prominent performer as far as a male goes over the last 20 years. Uh, and they're raising a family together. Um, and so anyway, I, I, it was a, listen, here's the deal with this, this QFTA. We just went two and a half hours, <laughs> two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, but, Pete, I don't know how much longer I've got you to do it, so I wanted to go. But... The questions were outstanding, and I still, I think I only answered three. I even got one from Deebs that I didn't get to. And you know how much I love Deebs. Yeah, questions. he told me he sent one. He wouldn't he tell did. me what it was about. He's like, <laughs> he goes, I doubt this one will get read. No, it's there. I'm not deleting it. I just, uh, he wasn't beaten off on I-70 again. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's somewhere else. And what, when he was cleaning up golf balls in a range? <laughs> I mean, basically, the guy emails me late at night to tell me where he's beat off. That's See? essentially what's going on in my inbox. See, if you hung out, right. if you hung out with my friends, no one would shame. 
shame you for liking porn and threesomes. So, I promise yeah. you that. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly not my friends either, but it's like in our. And again, I don't want to overstate it. I mean, certainly, it, it's a different deal now than it was a few years ago. But I, I just, I think, I think these women fall into to trouble because they can't go back to some of their friends and they get shunned by their home communities for doing what they're doing and then they feel like they did something wrong and then they turn to other people in the industry who are in the same boat and then they get into shit that winds up fucking them up that's what i think that being some examples but anyway uh maybe lana how the hell would we get her on i mean maybe a young page used to get her on yeah because I, I didn't even know she had a merchandise line i, I had no idea i yeah, stopped following her. I, I didn't you know i didn't know um I don't know. I'll think. I'll think of somebody who might be good who kind of fell out of the industry. Either way, Gangster Pete, two hours and twenty-two minutes of questions from the audience. Uh, a new record, but I've enjoyed the hell out of it, sir. I'm hoping you and I will be doing questions from the audience even when you move on to your uh, new uh, job, sir. Me too, man. Good times. All right, brother. Thank you as always to Gangster Pete. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. To Gangster Pete. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Uh, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air, Heating and Cooling, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson at Munganess, stlouisacura.com, and altontoyota.com, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and I think I said everybody, but, oh, Jim Rogers, Restoration One. I always forget uh, one. That's the way it is every week. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of centralstlouis.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.